Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. All right, my brother, I think we live. So, we were just talking about how a lot of people they kind of get hooked on the stereotypical American dream, a lot of materialistic stuff. They think that the only thing that matters in life is being able to pay less for an iPhone in the U.S. than they might pay in their country. Or, you know, a construction worker in the U.S. lives better than a doctor in Brazil. That's what a lot of people like to say, even though I don't know if that's true. But it's something that you do hear a lot in conversations about why the U.S. is so much better than many Latin American countries or other parts of the world. And it made me think of a video I was watching earlier today which is kind of related. And this guy was basically saying that we're about to face some really difficult times because countries like America have been so prosperous for so long. And that creates like um, good times create like very weak men because during good times you have no real motivation or like hunger to do shit or achieve things. And also when you compare like great economic prosperity, not compare, when you add that great economic prosperity to the fact that the modern, or not the modern, the traditional, like masculine, righteous man is kind of under attack in Western society. Like we're being told that we're toxic, that we're not necessary, that we're a threat to people and we're not really beneficial in any way. You know what I mean? And so what he was trying to say, I'm probably fucking up his entire message by trying to tell you, but what he was trying to say is that like young men need to understand that you need to have some kind of purpose in life. It's not just about obtaining status and money or chasing women or looking good on social media and just like entering this endless cycle of I need to make more and consume more. Like you need to actually have goals and values and and morals and like stand for something, and have a purpose in life because that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. And I find that talking to a lot of young guys and I've even experienced it myself, is just you go through these waves of purposelessness and you just feel like you're, unseen by society you're not needed by society you don't have any friends and if you want friends it's kind of hard to make them especially if you're somebody that wants better for yourself because i don't know what your experience is but like a lot of dudes our age they ain't really on shit bro they're not really interested in like bettering themselves or starting businesses making more money learning new things like growing 
with a friend group. They're just like, want to play video games and fucking gossip like females and all this silly shit. So you, you feel so isolated because like girls ain't fucking with you. You don't know where to go to make friends. You don't probably, probably don't have any skills. You're not very highly educated. And if you are, you're only doing it for the money, which is an empty pursuit. So you're just like, Whoa, what the fuck? And he's saying that like over time, so many men feeling like that, it's going to have a very negative impact on society. So, I mean, do you identify with, with what he's talking about? Have you experienced any of this? Absolutely, man. I feel like that's why a lot of people have told me before, and I'm sure I get this a lot as well. Like you sound a lot more mature than your age, or you sound like you're older or something like that for simply just thinking about the future and thinking about what you want in life and actually trying to have a plan for life and trying to find a purpose instead of just like just living life the way the way it is or having that autopilot because really man a lot of the people that are my age just seem like they're not really prepared to deal with like let's call real life you know and a lot of people they wake up to that when you're like 30, 40, 50 years old. And a lot of times it's just too, I mean, it's never too late. There's always a way to, you know, make things better. But uh, a lot of times it's just, you know, you lost a lot of time. <laughs> and not only that, but you lost, let's say, the, the prime of your life or the better years of your life where, you could have had more energy and more power and more motivation and more time to work on things. And not to say when like you get older and there's a sun coming up and you got family and you have like life just becomes a different world and a different environment for you to progress. And it just makes it a lot difficult after a certain time. But, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Things things are changing in that in that scenario. Um, and I feel like going back to that point where we have that contrast of like people from Brazil trying to like predict what it's gonna be like in the in the US or in America. What's even crazier to me, man, is that I've seen a lot of people like from Brazil that go to the U.S. and they make all these videos on the internet, like showing off their life in America, like, hey, look at my car and the place I live and, you know, look at my iPhone. And then they think that they're having the best life that they could possibly have. But when you ask, like, a local in that country, like an average American citizen, you want to live their life they're like hell no <laughs> it's like they they have such a a a different expectation of what's a good life or what's actually having quality of life they're like the most basic conditions of life are like the paradise for them so imagine like somebody from Brazil coming from the favelas or coming from like really bad conditions. And then you get them in the U.S. and you get them like really basic, just basic conditions of life that any American citizen would have. They'll be like, 
astronomically better than anything that could have he could have got in Brazil with his uh, idea of life in, in in Brazil. So that goes to show that it also depends on your perspective yeah. of what it is to have a good quality of life. It really depends on like where it came from and where you lived before and the experiences that you had like in your childhood and things like that. And it's not like a a a fixed thing or a fixed idea. It could change depending on the person. Hundred percent. And that makes me think immediately of um your current situation. I mean living in a city as big as the one as you live in with that many people and also knowing a little bit about your daily routine, how much time you spend on public transit, how many hours you spend at work, how much time you have for yourself, how much energy is being spent and all this type of stuff. Let me ask you, what is your idea of a quality life? Like how would you define it or describe it? Oh man, that's a good question, man. I feel like for me, quality of life wouldn't be, having a bunch of money per se, but having quality time for myself to do whatever I want to do with, with my time, like having the power to manage my time. Because nowadays, even if I do get a lot of money, like doing what I do at my job, I don't have the power to like manage my time. Like I have the power to manage the rest of my day or <laughs> the the yeah yeah the rest of my hours in a day but I don't have the power to like yeah I'm gonna do that from like 9 a.m to uh 2 p.m and then after that I'm going to and I'm I'm not just talking about like having a good time like I want to play soccer and I want to play video games all day just having that power to do what I want to do with my time I can't do that because from 9 p.m 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., I got something that's, like, taking a lot of my time and that I can't really get away from that. So for me, quality of life would be having quality time that I can manage and that I can choose what I want to do with my time. I feel like that would be, like, the best power that I could have in life be having more time in in my hands and not having my time being taken up by things that I don't want to do or sometimes that I do want to do but for shorter for a shorter period of time you know if that makes any sense but yeah money is important money is very, is very important in the long run but I feel like if you do have a lot of money let's say like yeah I get 20 20,000 Hey, is a month. Yeah, that's great. I'm rich. But from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., I got work. Yeah. And so, something I realized lately is that, you know, that, that line from Spider-Man where I guess his uncle says something like, with great power comes great responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Something I realized, and especially in the job market, is that the higher the salary, the higher bullshit you got to put up with. 
like the higher amount of hours you gotta work, the higher amount of responsibilities and things that you gotta take care of, and the higher the amount of stress that you have with work. So even that is like, yeah, money is important, but is it really worth it when you gotta leave a lot of things on the table to to get that money? So that's something I think about a lot, you know, not just having money, but also having a good environment in life to not only spend the money, but also be happy with mm-hmm. the life that I'm living. You know, do you, do you identify with that? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's nothing more important than freedom of time. To me, that is the ultimate freedom. It's like I'm much more satisfied with the idea of making decent money, but doing exactly what I want to do every day. Than being ridiculously rich and like, you know, I wake up and I'm just like, fuck, here we go. You know what I mean? That to me sounds like hell. That to me sounds like a lot of people's lives. You know what I mean? So for me, it's all about time freedom. And then I guess after that, location freedom. And maybe that's just because the way I grew up, I've always been moving around so much, but like not being able to get up and leave if I want to, for me, just I don't like that so freedom of time and then if i want to go somewhere then i i'm just gonna fucking go to me that is freedom so that's part of the reason it's it's hard for me to even imagine just like holding down a a normal job whatever that even means it's really hard for me to imagine that because just every day 8 a.m monday to friday 30 minutes for lunch then i get off at five and it's just like dude why am I existing? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, unless I just love the work, which I most likely don't, then I just it's hard for me to to make peace with that idea. On the flip side, what I think um, a lot of us don't understand until we get into it is like working for yourself or starting a business is just as much work. You just better hope that you choose something that you actually want to do. It's probably like you just said, more work and responsibility because if you fuck up at work, like you might get reprimanded, you might get a talking to or some shit like that, but you have a job. Your manager's going to hear it. His or her manager's going to hear it and his or her, you know what I mean? It goes right up the ladder and then whoever's at the top is shitting right back down. You know, that's a simplistic way of saying it, but that's the idea. But as an employee, employees complain a lot, but they'd be complaining a lot more if they had to deal with all the employees as opposed to just being one. You know what I mean? Or even just working for yourself, being responsible for sales marketing, accounting, branding, customer relations, the product or the service, setting your schedule. I mean, there's like a lot that goes into it. And it might be a while before you make any serious money, especially if you're like talking being a content creator or something like that. Bro, people underestimate so grossly how much time, energy and effort it goes into making a living as a content creator. That's not trying to sell a bullshit course. I should, that's harsh. That's not trying to sell some specialized knowledge in the form of a course. You're just making content, creative shit. Like people don't really realize how much of it. It's like making it in the NBA or or fucking Premier League or some shit like that. And I don't say that to be dark or pessimistic or discourage people. I'm saying it just because sometimes the best thing for people is just, bro, keep your fucking day job. Like that is the best thing for you and your personality type because it's not for everyone. So like you said, again, it's about perspective. And for me, um, I just prefer to spend my days trying to realize my idea of freedom as opposed to fucking 
making somebody else rich is just that's just the way I prefer to live, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's not for everybody as well. Like there's a lot of people, myself included, for now, that it's exactly what you say, like just keep your job, like do what you're doing for a while. Cause it's not really, you know, a paradise like a lot of people think. But I feel like when we have that doubt or that um question in her head of like do I do something for myself? Do I run my own business or do I stay at the job that I hate? Something that I feel like is a very good alternative, and I even thought about that for myself, is like using your job that you hate for like having some stability to work on your second plan to make that work in the long run. Because something mm -hmm. I noticed is that there's two environments for when you're starting your own business the first one is like if it doesn't work i'm fucked like the bills are not paid i don't have any money or i have this money to invest and if it doesn't come back like it's i'm going all in and then there's another scenario where like yeah i'm trying to make this work i'm putting some time into it but if it doesn't work or if I need to adjust my attitude or have some other plans, I still have this other job that it's not what I want to be doing. I hate this job, but it still pays my bills and makes me feel stable. It doesn't mm -hmm. make me feel comfortable or good, but makes me feel like the bills are paid at least. And that's something that I realized with like uh, my girlfriend is trying her own business now and she was telling me like, man, I put into so much more time than when I was working as a nurse. And she was working like 12 hours as a nurse, doing a lot of like extra hours in a, in a hospital and things like that. And she's working a lot more nowadays with like exactly what you say. Like you do like all of the, 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 the roles involved in a job are directed to like one person. So that, that takes a lot of time. And even like the, the, the beginning stage, something I noticed is like when you really do work your ass off, like until you get to that point where you actually feel like you're getting some good quality of life out of that. It takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot, a lot of time for sure. And it, it kind of opened my eyes to like, yeah, man, it's not all, um, it's not all flowers, you know. <laughs> it does it does have a lot of hard work involved. <laughs> man, it's a lot. It's it's flowers, but it's also a lot of shit sandwiches you got to eat, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's the thing is, it's it's like it's always been that way, though. Of course, if you're solving a real problem and it's like. You're actually good, but you do. You know how to operate a business, which is a real skill that needs to be learned. Then you're going to have a better time than somebody who just has no fucking idea what they're doing. I mean, I think you can say that about any field. But I think maybe because of at least the amount of content that I see, the amount of content that I hear other people see, the perception is that being an entrepreneur, businessman or woman or working for yourself or whatever is just so much easier 
than working a normal job, especially because you have social media, you have the internet. And I say it's definitely easier than ever before. 100%. But it is not easy. I mean, you're building a machine and it takes like years of investment, not a, like 90 days or six months or no shit like that. I mean, those are very rare cases and they're good for social media and highlight reels. But what most people don't understand or even consider just like with pro athletes or musicians or anybody else is the fucking blood and sweat and tears and rejection and failure and humiliation on a daily basis that goes into trying to build your own shit as opposed to just staying in the matrix for lack of a better way of saying it like it takes real work bro consistent work and nobody gives a fuck nobody gives a fuck not your mom not your sister not your girl your best friend nobody gives a shit bro if you're lucky you got a couple people that are going to support you but i would have to imagine 95 percent of the cases even people that want to see you do well don't give a fuck they have lives to live bro you got to take care of you in most cases, you know, especially if you don't have other friends that are trying to do something similar so you guys can grow together. You just feel weird and isolated most of the time. It's like, what do you even talk about with people? Shit that happened, you know, drama at the office or fucking what they're watching on Netflix or fucking gossip. And it's just like, what do you even talk about? So you feel alienated. Excuse me. You feel alienated in a lot of ways when you're just trying to do something that is not the most common thing to do. Most people don't work for themselves. Most people don't try to build a business. So it's like, in some cases, it might be harder to relate to other people. So if you're not really mentally ready for that and you don't have the skill to get it done, it's going to be a rough life experience for you, bro. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that because I'm like some rock star entrepreneur who's got all the answers because I am certainly not. I'm just speaking from experience. And I think for anybody who might be listening, I would say really, you know, try it for sure as soon as possible, but just understand it's not for everybody. And you're probably going to have to learn and educate yourself a thousand times more than you would have to if you were just working at a company. Yeah. It's just like taking risks, risks every single day. Like, and you don't have too many chances to fail. I feel like when you're doing it for yourself, because mm. when you're, when you're working at an office, it's like, if you fail, yeah, at the end of the month, the money is going to be there either way. But now when you do fail too many times and you're pretty much your own manager, your own boss, you don't have too many chances to like fuck up, you know? But uh, I feel like in the long run, man, even if you do work a lot, even if it's a lot, it can be a lot more stressful than, uh, having an average job, I feel like in the long run, it really, it really pays off. Like what you get at the end of it, like think about working for 10 years for somebody, for your boss, and then working 10 years for yourself. I feel like the amount of progress that you can make, not only money-wise, but also like uh, investing in yourself is just a lot more worth it than just mm -hmm. having a normal job. So you got to have that mentality of like not wanting things to happen immediately, like thinking in the long run, like it's not going to happen like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of things will take, you know, adjustments and fucking up one, two, three times until you get it right. 
but in the long run, man, like thinking of like five, 10, 20 years from now, it's going to be worth it for sure. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that a lot of people are not mentally prepared for that. Cause you gotta have that mentality of like future and not like the hmm. end of the month. Right. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And I think it's also important to consider the fact that like working a normal job is also a risk. Some might argue more of a risk than trying to do your own thing because what happens when a lot of people work a normal job is they get complacent. They just get comfortable doing the same shit every day. What happened if the company goes bankrupt? Or like we just, we seen recently in the US, they start laying off thousands of employees and you're one of them. And you, you started making good money at this job. You're feeling comfortable. You're Instagramming your shit, showing everybody your new Tesla and your fucking condo and your Gucci shoes and all this silly shit. And then you get laid off. That's going to hurt, bro. It's going to be some painful shit. And if you've been in that job for a long time and you're complacent, you're not growing or learning anything, you got to go get another job. The rest of the world has continued moving all that time. And what about all those hungry niggas that are like coming to eat your lunch while you was over there Instagramming, thinking you was the shit? That's also a risk. And I'm not saying that entrepreneurs can't fall into that too. I'm just saying that a job is, it creates the illusion of security. It's nice to know there's a paycheck coming every month, but at any given time, it could stop coming. You know what I mean? At any time. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. So I still think that is also a risk. And I've, I kind of made the deal with myself a long time ago. It's like I would rather go to zero trying to do what I want to do than be at like 40 or 50 my whole life doing some shit I really don't want to do i just don't see the point in living that way maybe it's because i'm a spoiled american i don't know i really don't care i just know how i want to live and it's not like that you know absolutely man yeah for sure and not to mention like not being recognized for the job that you deliver or not being seen as not not being given the importance that you that you deserve, right? That happens a lot in the job market. Something like, like a very common situation that I've seen before is like, let's say that you get like 3,000, yeah, 3,000 bucks for whatever activity that you do. And then after a while, you feel like the experience that you have and then the expertise and the knowledge, you deserve more. So you go to your boss and like, mm -hmm. yeah, I should be getting at least 4,000 bucks for this job. And he's like, nah, that's too much. I can't do that. And they're like, okay, I'm getting out of thanks it. Thanks anyway. Yeah, thanks anyway. <laughs> and then you go, you go find another job. And then your boss, he tries to like find a replacement for you. So he goes to the job market and he, he announces the job for like, 3,000, which is what he was uh, uh, paying you. And then nobody accepts because it's not really worth it. So after like six months of trying, he goes and announces the same job for 4,000. So it's like, instead of like recognizing the, the, the employee that was like working hard, he had knowledge, experience, he knew the job, he knew what he was doing. You prefer to lay him off 
And a year after that, or six months after that, you announced the same fucking job for the same price that he asked for, for somebody that's not even like, like he will need training, he will need time invested, he will need courses, he will need a lot of shit. That like, you end up paying even more for that just because they don't want to give somebody the importance and the value that they deserved. And when you do work for yourself, you fail, you succeed, but you do your own value. You do, you do know your own value. You do know uh, the, 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 the effort that you're putting in. Mm-hmm. You don't need anybody to recognize that. So I feel like that's one of the most uh, uh, valuable things when you're having your own business. It's like you don't need anybody to evaluate you or anybody to validate your job. Like, you know what you're doing. I would I would take a slightly different approach to the idea and just say that instead of saying you don't need anybody to val- validate your worth or anything like that, I think the way I see it is you need, what's better is the right people are going to validate your worth. Because instead of it being just a boss who has their own objectives and opinions and maybe is even power tripping or just whatever, or maybe they literally just can't give you a raise or whatever it is. When you're selling your own product or your own service or starting your own business, the market is going to tell you how much your shit is worth because you might think I know my worth. I'm good at what I do, blah, blah, blah. But if nobody's willing to pay for it, maybe you're not worth what you think you are. (laughs) Yeah. Happens all the time, not just in business and dating and so many other aspects of life. So I think what I like about what I've always admired about like business or working for yourself in general is that it's like the market will always put you in fucking check, you know? So you might have very low ideas about yourself and you might be pleasantly surprised or you might be riding high thinking you're the shit. And then when you go to market with your shit, the market's like, nah, bro, try again. And you'll get humbled real quick. So I think that's the way I look at it is the people who actually matter, the actual customer is going to tell you how much your shit is worth. And it takes experimentation because you might have some self-limiting beliefs and think I could only make this much per hour or sell this product for this many dollars or sell the course for this many dollars or whatever. And you just may never even try to make more. So you might think this is all I can make. Once you believe in yourself a little bit more and you're willing to fail and take the L and get slapped in the face or told to fuck off and you just try to get some more, you might see, oh, the only thing stopping me from making more money was me believing I could make more money, you know? So I think it's not one dimension. I think it really depends on the context of the situation. But what I will say is the market's never wrong if people don't value it enough to pay for it. It's not valuable. I don't give a fuck how you feel about it because you're not the customer. (laughs) You're just not. So I think that's the good thing about working for yourself is you have more potential to get paid what you're worth. And you'll really find out what you're worth when everything rides on you and you're the one responsible for bringing in the paycheck and not waiting for somebody to just hand it to you. That's the way I see it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the right people give you the right value, right? Yeah. That would be a better idea. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. But it's it, it's a good thing that now we have, possibly we're living the best days or the best time to make your own business. Because something something that I've heard for a very long time is that um, 
for example, the U.S. is one of the best places to start your own business. But I feel like nowadays with the Internet, you don't need to have like a specific country to be, to be the best place for you. You can do it from everywhere. And that's a very, very good advantage that, that we have nowadays because a few years ago, you could have had a very good idea with a very good mentality and the money to invest. But if you're not in the right place and like having the, the, the right people coming at you, you wouldn't succeed. But nowadays with the internet, it's like it just opened up so many more doors and possibilities that if you really have a good idea and a good mentality, you can do it from everywhere. 100%. I tell people that all the time with, and it's exactly what you just said, which is, bro, with the internet, like, there's really no limits to what you can do other than the limits you put on yourself. Because location really, I mean, like, most shit is done online, even in your home country. You know, you can literally press a button. Food will be at your house in 20 minutes. Like, you don't have to go anywhere for a lot of stuff. So when you talk about selling a product or service, especially one that doesn't require your physical presence. There's really nothing stopping you, especially if you speak more than one language and one of those languages is English, then you open up a whole world of possibilities. You know what I mean? And I think it's it's not that simple because obviously you still need to be good at business. You still need to have a good idea and know how to execute and operate and have, you know, I mean, all that stuff, yeah. obviously. But I think with the internet, with social media and the, the fact that you can reach people for free is fucking Insane. I don't know who I was talking to the other day. I can't remember who it was, but they were saying something like these social media companies are really taking advantage of all these content creators because they're generating millions, billions of dollars in ad revenue and the content creators don't get paid anything. And I used to think that way as well, but I list, do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Yeah. Gary V. I've been listening to him so much. It's like his thoughts are now my thoughts in many of these in these cases. And I completely agree with his idea, which is like, bro, stop and have some perspective. You can literally, literally in less than a year, in my in my particular case, amass a million and a half followers on TikTok and not pay a single fucking dollar to do that. You can literally reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people per day selling your product, your course, your service, whatever, and not pay a single fucking dollar. Before social media existed, you'd have to pay for Google AdWords. You'd have to pay for a billboard, a TV commercial, a radio ad, a newspaper ad. That was the only way you're going to reach somebody outside of your physical location. That was it. Now all of society's attention is on these platforms. You can create a free account. Send your message out there as many times as you want. There's no limit on how many videos you can post. You can do that shit all day, every day, for free. And if you know what you're doing, you take all that attention you're getting and then send it to your website or your course or your business or whatever for free. <laughs> for fucking free, bro. Yeah. Never before in recorded history has that been the case. So I don't, I mean... I try to be as grateful as possible to TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, because it's fucking free, man. Yeah. It's fucking free. And YouTube pays people once you get past a certain level. You can get paid to make fucking YouTube videos, you know? So I think yeah. it's a, a question of, first of all, being grateful, understanding where the value actually is and who's really providing the value. Because although 
the platforms can't survive without creators. The creators wouldn't be creating if they had no audience and they can't get an audience without the platform. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. You might feel like you're not getting paid what you should be getting paid, but it goes back to what I just said. Maybe you're just not providing enough value, bruh. Or maybe yeah. you need to get some business education, bruh. I mean, it could be a million things, but it's not, it's not just like, I'm a creator and I'm good, so I should be getting paid more. It's like, nah, bro. You know, that's like me. That's like me saying I'm a good soccer player, so I should be playing for Man United. Come on, bro. Yeah. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Just like Absolutely. A little perspective, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel like things are a lot a lot easier nowadays because if you think 100%. about like 20 years ago, if you wanted to start your own business, first you need to have a lot of money to invest and it needs to be in the right place with the right people to come at your business and if you think about nowadays I feel like if it wasn't for the internet maybe like 80% of the entrepreneurs wouldn't be wouldn't exist or they would be doing you know something else mm -hmm. so the internet makes it a lot more possible and realistic to to do that and like you said with not that much money invested or sometimes zero money invested so that's that's really that's such a blessing to have that that advantage and also something that i thought was very interesting was that you mentioned that when you go out to like when you go into the job market a lot of times your expectations and your ideas of what you can deliver is not enough or the job market looks at you and it's like, nah, it's not enough. You need to do more. Now, when we talk about starting your own business, what do you feel like are the necessary skills or what do you feel like it's enough to make that work? Because the same the same way that when you're trying to find a job, you go through an interview and, you know, there's all those skills that you need to have and you need to be a right fit for that role. What do you feel like are the skills, like generally speaking, for an entrepreneur to have to make a business work and succeed? That's a fantastic question, but I'll start before I answer it. I'll say I am not the right person to be answering this question because I don't consider myself to be a successful entrepreneur. So I'm in no place to be giving advice or to say what the right thing is. But I will speak from my experience. And I'll say that the first thing, the most important thing in life, but also in business, is self-awareness. Nothing is more important than that. Because sometimes, like it took me a couple of years to figure out that I am not a businessman. Even though I'm fascinated by business, I love it. I love listening to people talk about it. I love seeing how businesses work, how they go from idea to product to market. I mean, everything about business. I love it. It's fascinating to me, but I'm not a businessman. I don't want to be in the trenches operating a business all day, every day. I am a creator. I'm a creative dude. I have a bunch of ideas. I mean, like as many times as you blink during this conversation, that's how many ideas I have a day. You know what I'm saying? Just to give you an idea. I'm just a creative dude. I've always been into art and creative activities and expressing myself and shit like that. So I have ideas, but ideas and execution are two completely different things. And sometimes the idea guys 
think the only way to be successful is by becoming the execution guy, the business guy, the operations guy, when that is not your skill set. And so you're at a distinct disadvantage by trying to do something that is so opposite of what you're naturally good at. You might be able to get there. It happens all the time. I'm just saying that for a lot of guys, it's like you should be doing the creative shit because by trying by trying to become the operations dude, the real entrepreneur, you're going to end up losing all your passion for the creativity over here. You're going to be stressed and frustrated and you might you don't understand that this just isn't for you and you'll be confused like what why the fuck isn't this working? Why like am I losing passion for what I'm doing? It's just like you're doing the wrong part of it. You know, maybe find a partner who's great at operations so you can be great at creativity. And that's just an example of the importance of self-awareness. Or maybe you have great ideas and you're a smooth talker, you could sell fucking i don't know you can i had a really bad analogy i'm not gonna say you could sell anything to anyone right maybe you're good at that but if you're not uh where was i going with that you're not a creator at the same time right like no i was gonna say but you don't you don't have to write ideas maybe in that example no how did i lose my train of thought so quick (laughs) you're saying like there there's two aspects of it like the creator side and then the execution uh-huh. side and then you could have somebody that that's good at selling oh, anything yes yeah, yeah yes thank you thank you so you yeah maybe you're good at ideas or you're just good at sales but you're fucking horrible with managing your money you need to know that about yourself before you get into business because money is kind of important when it comes to business and these parts, maybe they're not the best examples, but you need to really understand who you are and what you're good at, what you're not good at. What do you want to spend your time doing? Because that's also another thing, even for people who don't think they could start a business, maybe you could, if you just think a little bit more creatively, because if you know, I'm not good at branding or marketing or creative shit, but I have an excellent idea and I can operate like a motherfucker. You don't need to become fucking graphic designer and a marketing specialist and a copywriter. Pay people to do that shit for you. Yeah, yeah. Problem solved. I mean, it's not that simple, but I mean, you get my idea. So like just by being self-aware and understanding what you're naturally good at, I think that helps a lot when trying to build a business. Because if you plan to operate the business, you need to build it around your natural skill set and the life experience you want to have. Because you're going to be dedicating a lot of time to this shit. So if you build it in a way that goes completely against the daily experience you want to have as a human being might be problematic. So you just, you got to think, man, you got to think, what is the end goal? Why am I doing this for real, for real, for real? Like you really need to understand that, you know, before you get involved. So I would say self-awareness for sure. And also, uh, I mean, I could talk for a long time about this, but humility is, is a really important one too. Like not thinking that, that you deserve anything because you fucking don't. You have to earn everything that you get because it's not a nine to five, bro. So if your shit is trash, people are going to let you know your shit is trash. And you just have to either be willing to take it from trash to treasure or go fucking get a job. You know what I mean? Or to try a different idea or something. So you definitely got to be pretty humble because failure is the only constant. It is the only constant. You know what I mean? You're constantly failing, which is bad for most people but in my mind it's good because you're constantly learning so much more than you would learn by doing the same shit every single day so self-awareness humility stamina because it's a marathon not a sprint and also um 
like a decent idea. Sometimes like just the idea is shitty, man. I don't give a how good you are at executing or marketing or whatever. The idea just fucking sucks. It sucks. So understanding who you're trying to reach, who is your target audience or your ideal client, what do they really need? What is really frustrating them? What problem? Like super clear on the problem you're solving. You have to get super clear on that and be able to go from problem to the idea for the solution to bringing it to the customer as fast as possible so you can get the feedback and know, is this idea worth investing in? Because sometimes, especially the perfectionist types, which is just the same thing as insecure types, perfectionism is just insecurity. So those kind of people are the super creative ones that are so emotionally attached to their idea. They'll invest so much time and so much energy in making the product perfect before they tell anybody about it. And then only after devoting nine months to this shit, they release it to the world and they find out nobody wants it. It's like, bro, you just wasted nine months. The fuck is wrong with you? You know, we all make that mistake, but I'm just saying you can easily avoid it by just being willing to test and fail as quickly as possible and as often as possible because you can't learn without experience. So you have to be willing to just Try to get the experience no matter how hard you fall flat on your face, knowing that you're going to learn something from it and be able to take it to the next thing. So I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore. I'm just rambling at this point. I'm sure there's a lot more stuff that a successful entrepreneur could tell you, but that's some things I've noticed from my experience. Hang on, man. I don't know what happened. I can't hear you now. No, not at all. Hello? There we go. Oh, it was muted. Okay. Uh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> there was a button that I pressed by, by accident. Oh, uh, that's all good. But, uh, yeah, man, that's something I never even thought about before. Like, you can have a very good creator side, but not necessarily a good execution side. So maybe a lot of people can consider to, like, being very good at creating and then having a whole empire above themselves right that's good at executing stuff that maybe you're not good at and also the other way around could also be the case right like you're very good at executing maybe selling shit but your ideas are not good or Mm -hmm. you're not a good creator and that's interesting man because never thought about that like having those two sides separately but uh man it's 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 very interesting like when you mention about um, humility and recognizing that a lot of times you're going to fail, a lot of times people are not going to like your shit, you're going to have criticism, you're going to have a hard time sometimes. That is so true, man, because when you're working at a job, it's like if the service is not good, you're not the one, for the most part, you're not the one that needs to have any headache about that or Mm -hmm. you don't need to come up with a solution about that you might need you might need to execute the solution but you get off the office go home you sleep like your your mental health is like not even worried about that Mm -hmm. but when you're having your own business it's like yeah man you gotta you got to be able to take all of the criticism and all of the bad shit that is not working and being able to turn that into, into something good and something positive. So, yeah, man, the, the, the more time I spend talking about this, the, the more 
it makes sense in my mind that I'm not fucking prepared for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta keep my job for a while, man. <laughs> oh, man. It is not for me, <laughs> It is not for now. I was not now, expecting like... you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's like, yeah, you need to build your your mentality first, you know, and be prepared uh, yeah. for that. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And that's the, that's why it's so important, man. Like, no matter what it is you're trying to do, whether you want to be a content creator, an entrepreneur, or just work for a company, bro, there is tremendously underrated value in talking to people who have been where you want to be. Like, man, I can't even put it into words because... Somebody who's already been where you want to be has probably gone through the majority of shit you're about to go through, and they can save you so much time and so much headache and frustration and disappointment just by letting you know, watch out for this, or make sure you remember that, or whatever. You know, I'm just learning through other people's experience so you don't have to hit your head on the same fucking wall for no reason. You know what I mean? So whether you want to work for a company, if you want to work at Facebook or Tesla or whatever... Like the internet makes it relatively easy to find people that work for these companies, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Just send them a fucking message. Most people don't even have the balls to do that. So these people almost never get messages when you really think about it. Or it's just people that like are trying to get some free shit from them. But if you try to like, I can't give instructions on this, but what I'm saying is I've done this before, which is just simply reaching out. And asking the questions that I have or reaching out, inviting them on the podcast, reaching out and making it known, I want this. Sometimes that's all you need to fucking get it. Yeah. So whether it's somebody who works at one of those companies you want to work for, or if you want to be a podcaster, reach out to your favorite podcasters. Just ask them, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. I really admire your style. Do you have any advice for me? Or would you mind being the first guest on my podcast or the fifth guest or the 20th guest? Once I got some more experience, whenever you got time, here's a Zoom link or a Calendly link, schedule whenever you want. I'll be waiting. Or even before you do that, just build a relationship. Hey, man, I just listened to this episode. This is what I think about it. Keep doing your thing. That fucking almost never happens to me. But as I can tell you as a podcaster, those are the best messages because you know somebody's actually listening and they just want to engage with you. They don't want to take nothing from you. They don't want no free shit. They don't want, you know, they're just like, man, I appreciate what you're doing. I feel the connection. I wanted to let you know what I thought about it. And then by building that relationship, they're, they'll probably be much more open whenever you do ask them for something in the future, even if it is just their time. I shouldn't say just their time because that's super valuable, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it's just like just talking to other people who have done the shit you want to do is a massively underrated part of doing whatever it is that you want to do. And now it's easier than ever, bro. Absolutely. It's easier than ever. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny to hear you say what you just said. But I think even knowing that self-awareness, even knowing that is the first step. Knowing like, damn, I'm not, I'm really not prepared for this shit. So if you really want it, you can get online, listen to podcasts, read books, watch YouTube videos. There's tons of entrepreneurs, content creators talking about their experience. Yeah. That's why I love podcasts so much because we can sit down like this for two hours and I can just sit here and listen to somebody tell me every fucking thing they know. I'll just, I don't have to talk. They'll just tell me what they know. And I'm learning with every single conversation. Podcasts are the shit. I fell in love with podcasts because of Joe Rogan because I was just listening to all of these fucking people 
and their stories and their experience and you get these ideas. They don't even know you exist. And somehow they're still helping you live a better life than you ever could have just isolated with tunnel vision living by yourself. Because some people can do everything by themselves. They have so much conviction and they know exactly what they want and how to get it. Most of us are not that way. We need a little bit of help. You know what I'm saying? And I just think now more than ever, it's, well, it's easier than ever to get that help, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And not to mention like very successful people that have done it before that you can find on YouTube, like Gary Vee, for example, yeah. you can find tons of tips and, and, and guidance, but I feel like even though I don't feel prepared, I feel like there's a lot to like learn and a lot to prepare for before taking that action. I feel like we're never going to be like 100% prepared. You know, yeah. there's always going to be that point where you kind of just have to have the balls to go through it, you know, and it's not going to be perfect. You're going to have, difficulties like you would do at any job but uh yeah I, i'm looking for that time you know when i when i have that courage to like yeah i'm ready to fail and i'm ready to 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 have that experience i'll definitely go through it but man it's just so much mentality that 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 goes into it listening to you speak about like the 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 skills that you need to have in order to make that work, it kind of just opens my eyes to like, yeah, man, just, there, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of like the right attitude going in. hundred percent, man. And I would say for you and anybody else who might be listening, if you, if you really want to work for yourself and that doesn't necessarily mean start and operate a business, I, even if you just want to work for yourself, solopreneur, run your own little operation, you have got to understand the importance of educating yourself. I mean, through experience more than anything, but also like listening to successful business people. Watch Shark Tank, listen to the Gary Vee audio experience. Like, bro, everything I know about social media and how to do it correctly, I learned from listening to Gary Vee. Everything. Fucking everything. You know what I mean? And he gave it all to me for free. I didn't ask for it. He's just putting it out there. It's free on the internet right now. There are people who want to start a business, don't even know who the fuck that is. I'm like, how is that possible? You know what I'm saying? And But the point I'm trying to make is you got to educate yourself. So whoever you prefer to listen to, wherever you get your information from, you've got to educate yourself. Consume, internalize, and then go test. Test, test, and fucking test some more. You got to do it. Until then, it's just theory, but you got to put it into practice. And like you said, have the balls to put it into practice and fucking fail and fail and fail and fail again and again. That's just part of the game. I mean, it's like that if you're learning to play saxophone or football, start a business, it's all the same shit. It's just like, I think now I, I don't like to talk too negatively about social media all the time. I feel like we say the same shit all the time, social media, because of social media. But in this case, I will say because of what people tend to react to the most on social media. I think a lot of people have internalized the idea that life in general is fucking amazon.com where it's all press a button and it's instant and I don't have to think about it or work for it or put any effort. It's just right there on my door. That, like business could not be further from that idea. It is the exact opposite. You know what I mean? There are some unicorns who maybe achieve some overnight success, but the cliche of like every overnight success is really 
10 years in the making, that's some real shit, dude. That's some real shit. So that's what I would say. But what I wanted to ask you was earlier in this conversation, you said the idea of keeping your day job and then like having a side project and growing it over time sounded really interesting to you. So if you feel like sharing, what is that side project you have in mind? What are you thinking about? Yeah, I feel like the 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 model of how I would do it, I do have in mind, like mm-hmm. yeah, having that stability on the side and then using that money to invest on this other idea that I have. But what I don't have yet is the actual idea and a project <laughs> and like yeah. what exactly I would do. And I have no fucking idea, man. I really don't know. Um, I have a very, a very fun case that is uh, my girlfriend. He never thought about doing anything outside of like being a nurse and working at a hospital. And then there was this one day where she was on Instagram and she received like one of those um, ads about essential oils and doing therapies with that and how that can impact your mental health, your anxiety, depression, and how that can make you feel better. And then at that moment, she was like, man, that's it. I'm a nurse. I know how to interview people in terms of like getting to know about themselves, about what they need, about their feelings and the reaction that they have in their bodies. And I can have the solution to present to them. So it's still not further away from my actual profession. And that's something that she never really thought about before. It took one ad on Instagram about one product, about one oil. She was like, man, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of times we're like looking for it and like, man, what do I do? What do I do? But I feel like there's always that time when, you know, it comes at the right moment with the right idea and be like, man, that's it. You know, I don't want to be like lazy and have the mentality that when, when it is the right time, it'll come to me, but I'm kind of, you know, not trying to force things right now. I'm just kind of taking my time with that after what I saw what happened with my girlfriend and she's doing great now. She's very, very happy. She's got a lot of patience and she's got a lot of people that are coming to her with problems like, Hey, I can't sleep or I have insomnia or something. She's like, Hey, I have this for you. I have this formula or I have this blend that I can prepare for you. They can help you. And then they come back to her saying, man, that was great. You helped me sleep. I'm feeling so much better. And she's like actually feeling uh, um, um, fulfilled for the first time in her life. Mm-hmm. So that's something that kind of made me re- realize that sometimes you just kind of wait for like, you know, the right hit. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. Do you feel like that's kind of waiting for a miracle or? <laughs> a little bit <laughs> a little bit yeah i was trying to think of how to formulate it but i mean for lack of a better way of saying it yeah I, I say of course you can't force it i definitely agree with that but i would also say that maybe 
something you could try is just getting in the habit of like coming up with ideas. Cause I feel like that's a muscle just like creativity or anything else. So if you just, if you dedicate time every day, I saw this in a podcast earlier this afternoon. Uh, this guy said that every, I think, I don't know if he does it now, but every day for like 90 days or something, he would dedicate the first like half an hour of his day to writing at least 10 ideas, 10 creative ideas. And at the end of the week, he'd have 70. And then out of those 70, maybe seven or eight of them were actually good ideas. And he would then invest in those. So if you know you want to start a business, maybe if you don't want to do something creative, like making content or something like that, then even, but even content creation, like all businesses revolve around solving a problem. And if you're a content creator or an entertainer, the problem is really boredom and you're helping people stay entertained. That's the problem that you're solving. So even that, but any business, I would say, figure out what problems you can solve. Maybe problems that you notice with clients at your day job or with your coworkers or your parents or your friends or just throughout your daily life, start writing them down and then dedicate time every day or every week to thinking, how would I solve that? And also not just random problems, but problems in areas that are important to you. I think when you solve your own problem, you have a much better chance of sticking with it long enough to turn into something because there's a bunch of problems you could solve theoretically. But I think when you're solving your own problem, you're much more passionate about it because you want to find the solution. And then once you've actually solved it, you're probably going to be a lot more passionate and energetic when you're trying to sell it to other people because you're like, no, this shit really works. It really solves a problem. When you're solving somebody else's problem, I, I can't speak on that, but I'll just say that I imagine when you're solving your own problem, it's much easier and more intuitive so maybe just think about your own problems that you want to solve or I, I can't really give, again, I'm not a businessman or I haven't sold million dollar products or nothing like that. I would just say if you're, if the problem is the idea, train yourself to start coming up with ideas. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that they're not creative and that they don't have ideas, but they've never even tried. You know what I mean? If you knew how many songs, of, like name your favorite rapper, if you knew how many other songs ended up being fucking trash and that you've never heard you'd be like, damn, this nigga's fucking whack. They only put out their best shit. Yeah. But you have, have, they have a bunch of ideas that never see the light of day because they're just not fucking good. But you have to let them out before yeah. you know if it's good or not. You have to test it and try it before you know if it's good or not. So that's what I would say is maybe get a little notepad or yeah, yeah. some part of your daily routine. Just start thinking about it. Because if you're just waiting for it to just fall in your lap, you might be 95 before that shit hits you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, yeah. Yeah, I'll let you say it that way. It, it makes me feel like I'm much more of like uh, an execution dude than a creator because I've never really been like a very creator guy. Like mm. never had a creative mind in my opinion. Like every time I had to come up with shit and like, I feel like I'm good at finding solutions to things, but not necessarily like having ideas. But uh, what you said about thinking about a problem that I need to solve. Maybe that's the mentality. Cause I never thought about that, that way. Like, cause at the end of the day, it's really finding a solution for a problem. Right. But I haven't had that idea yet, man. Hmm. Maybe I'm one of those people that just does not have good ideas. <laughs> have a very good create creative mind. But that's something about my personality for sure. I mean, like yeah. even even when I was um I remember when I was um at the beginning stage in uh, 
like in college and trying to learn how to program and learning how to code and things like that. And I feel like for all, for, yeah, almost every programmer, there always comes a point where you kind of have to choose between like becoming a backhand developer or um, a front-end developer, or you do both and you're a full stack. And for me, it was like, yeah, I want to do front-end because it seems easier, but man, the creative side would never come out. Like the ideas and like the colors and like the, the, the way to project things, they will never come to me. And then on the other side, I was like, yeah, man, dealing with like code and like the math behind things and the logical part is also not really my thing. But in terms of like having a creative mind, I've always had kind of a difficulty with them. And even like when I was a child, like stupid shit, like drawing and things like that, it just seems like my mind has this laziness around it and maybe it really is just a muscle like you said and just kind of have mm. to train it but it doesn't come natural to me i feel like like it does for you i feel like you're the the one of the most um clear examples to me of what a creative person is do you feel like it's natural to you it does come natural to the way your mind works or you feel like it's a muscle that you've always trained and exercised I think both, honestly. I would say that naturally, I've always been creative from a very, I mean, the first thing I wanted to be was an actor and then a musician and then a photographer. So it's like, I've just always wanted to do more creative shit. I've, I feel happiest and I feel most at home when I'm creating something with my mind or my hands. Even something like fucking building houses or furniture and tables and shit. I, like, bro, I would do that shit for free. I would do that shit for free. I love it. I love creating shit. And so for me, uh, I'm not like uh, a prolific artist or nothing like that. Because there's certain forms of creativity that like for me, like drawing shit, no fucking chance. I wish, you know, I couldn't draw. So I picked up a camera and started taking pictures, literally, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, it's not universal, but I mean, just in terms of creativity, that's always been for me, which is why I hated school because there's nothing creative yeah. about it. It's just like, memorize information pass the test and then go to college pay go into debt and then do it all again and then just get a job and punch it and like dude fuck that shit so from a i mean from a very young age i knew i was more the creative type and uh but i will say that creativity even though it might not be a skill i do think it's something that you can enhance or improve like maybe you're naturally creative but you start being disciplined about your creativity because a lot of creative types they don't want to be disciplined and punch a clock or do something at a certain time every day or, or be in a routine they just want to do what they want man and be creative man and it's just like <laughs> that's cool but you got to get paid nigga. Yeah. so it's like you need a little bit of discipline so um in the book the war of art by stephen pressfield he talks about this and i don't remember who he quoted in the book when he said this but this writer was basically saying as a creative, I only write when inspiration strikes. The good thing is inspiration strikes every morning at nine o'clock, meaning no matter what the fuck's going on, I maintain the discipline and I sit at my computer every morning at nine and I try to write. Some days it's fucking trash. Other days it's not. But if I don't stay in the mental gym, I'm going to lose it completely. 
So I think that's how I think about creativity in general. So yeah, I mean, I'm creative, but I think even with the podcast, if I go a long time without working on new shit, it's like an old engine that you haven't started in a long time. You got to fucking crank it and crank it and crank it to get it back going, which is why I don't like vacations. I don't like taking breaks because once I fall out of the flow, it's really hard to get back in it. I'm fucking lazy, bro. I just want to chill. You know what I'm saying? So I think you got to be, even as a creative, you have to be disciplined with your work. Otherwise it's just not going to work. Yeah. You need to like, give yourself the time to actually exercise that. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I've never really done before, especially nowadays where like my routine is pretty much work. And then after work, it kind of recover from work. And then I work again. There's no really, I guess it could make the time or I could put in the effort to make that time available for me, but it's not really something that is like, coming natural to me nowadays but um yeah man it's 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 fascinating to me how there are certain things in life that are just like it just it just comes easier for you or for your mind and the way your mind works and it's it's always been something that i thought about and 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 reflect on in a sense of like imagine how many people are like lucky in a way to have like a natural talent or to have a natural intelligency i don't know to to make a certain activity be very very good at it stand out make money from it be successful and then other people on the flip side have to like create that or work on that and then make that a good thing but the natural side or their natural talent will almost always surpass that. That's something I always think about. Like, man, what are my natural talents? What are the things that I'm naturally good at? And then making those things even better because, man, it's that cliche of like, when you you put natural talent with hard work together, you're just unstoppable and yeah do you do you ever think about that like trying to find because i feel like it's 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 harder when you become older like Mm -hmm. i feel like it's one thing to pay attention on what are the things i'm good at when you're like a kid or growing up or just having your first experiments in life like after Mm -hmm. a certain age it's like it's so hard to find something new that you're like man i'm good at it and that's something that I've been trying to do lately. Like, what are the things that I'm very, very good at? Not because I'm trying to, but because you know it. It just comes naturally to me and and other people. Have you have you found things like that in your adulthood? Like things that you're like, man, I never thought I was good, at, and I was good at it. And like finding a natural talent. Uh, I don't. I mean, I say this without any intention of sounding like arrogant or self-centered because i definitely think i have a lot of room for improvement but podcasting honestly i mean that's like when we're doing what we're doing right now or even uh, like uh, if i'm talking to somebody like i talked to uh father michael butler who's a priest and bodybuilder and men's coach i talked to luke child the hypnotherapist tiffany claiborne this amazing teacher and content creator i mean like being able to 
that's what I mean. Even just listening to podcasts. I mean, Joe inspired me for, in so many ways. And because when I was listening to his shit, I just one day it just dawned on me like, bro, I'm getting a fucking college level education on so many <laughs> subjects by listening to all these different people in these different fields talk about what they actually know or what they've been through. And some people are full of shit, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. So then I was like, man, if I could get like when I figured out he was getting paid to do that, I was like, like, bro, I've been listening to people all my fucking life. All this thing is doing is listening attentively and guiding the conversation where it needs to go. And I'm, I'm not trying to like play down what he does because he's, the, I mean, he's the OG. I'm not trying to play him down. I'm just saying like in its essence, I know I can do that. I've been doing that shit my whole life. I like, I get paid to talk to people. And so when I think about being able to do that on the podcast, once I figured out you could get paid for it, I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. And then after years of just like putting the idea off and I finally tried it, I was like, bro, there's nothing stopping me from just like doing this shit. And then later, once I get good at it and I build an audience, I'll find a way to make money with it. I mean, that's just the way it, the way it goes. So for me, definitely podcasting, even on my solo podcast, it's like um, I definitely feel like there's a lot of room for improvement. But based on what I think of it and then the feedback I've gotten over the years, I'm actually good at it and I enjoy it, which makes me do it even better you know what i mean so for me that's why i just i just decided like i just want to do podcasting i can't think of anything else because although i love business i've learned to experience i don't want to fucking run a business man I just, I just, I'm, I'm not trying to manage people and all this fucking shit dude i mean like if if i'm gonna do that it has to be in some shit i really care about like building a business around podcasting Let's go for it because I know who I need to hire. I know what the problems are. I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, who I need, how much they'll be. Paid. I mean, like, I know all of that shit. That's not a problem. But like just starting businesses for fun. Not right now. You know what I mean? That's just not in my skill set, even though I'm fascinated by it. So I would say for me, podcasting. And I've been going through this weird. I'm at a weird point right now where I'm trying to figure out how do I make enough money just podcasting to where I don't have to do anything else, you know, and it's kind of conflicting because you don't want to do it just for money. You don't want to be thinking about money all the time. You just want to get good at what you do and the money will come. Yeah. But it's like, there's a lot of shit that goes into it because there's stuff I've been like struggling with self-limiting beliefs and just like, I wouldn't call it depression, but just not being happy with my day to day or shit that's going on in my personal life. So sometimes life gets in the way of doing what you want to do and you got to get your fucking life together first before you can even figure out what you're really good at. So that's yeah. what I would say to people listening, maybe because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have experienced or are experiencing the same thing, which is like, maybe you're just confused and you can, you don't even have time to dedicate to living the life you want or gaining the skills you want or doing the things you want. Cause your fucking life is a mess. Your, your brain is a mess. You got to clean up what's yeah. going on inside the head get all the dirty clothes up off the floor and put the books back on the shelf, clean the bathroom and shit, metaphorically speaking, and then try to realize whatever your dream may be. And that's what I'm kind of going through that right now. But to answer your initial question, I think for me is podcasting, bro. I would do that shit all day, every day for free. I just love talking to people. I love interviewing people because you learn so much. So I think for me, that's one of the many things I would do. But if I had to pick one, it would be, it would be that.
Oh yeah, and you'll yeah. definitely. I, I can tell you'll definitely have a natural talent going on. You're you're getting better. Like the more you do it, and that's coming from somebody that listens to like the very first one, I believe. <laughs> oh my god! Talking about nothing and things like that. <laughs> my god, that shit was trash, boy. <laughs> that shit was yeah. so trash. My god. My god. <laughs> But you you, uh, you made a lot of progress, but you definitely have a natural a natural thing you, going on. But uh, when you when you talk about like making a living out of that, like I always think about like like people that do that for a living, like Joe Rogan, for example. I always think about like man, because like, he's doing podcasts like every day, almost like three every day. a week, four a week. Yeah, there's man, a new episode. Insane. Yeah. I'm always thinking about like, man, there's gotta be those days where you just don't wanna talk to people, man. There's there there's gotta there's gotta be those days where like, nah man, I don't wanna see anybody. I don't yeah. wanna talk to nobody. Is that something you ever <laughs> think about, like, man? Or is it is it so much of a passion uh, for you that having a podcast at all situations wouldn't be wouldn't bother you at all? Honestly, man, I mean, I can't sit because I've never, especially the interview format, I've never done that full time. So I can't say for sure. But knowing what I know about myself and how much I love doing it, I, w I just got to imagine I would be too busy being grateful for the privilege of being able to do something like that for a living. Like how could I don't bro. Of course, I'm a human being and I'm an introvert and I got a bad attitude. So it's like, I'm sure there'd be days when it's just like, man, fuck all you niggas, bro. But I think if I was like, if I get to the point where I'm actually making a living doing that, there's no way I'm fucking this up, bro. There's no way. So I th and I have to imagine if you're doing what you really want to do every day, the shit that really lights that fire in your yeah. soul, you might have bad days, but bro, like, what's the alternative? Like, what would you yeah. rather be doing, bro? So it's like... Yeah. You know, I'd, I'm still going to get up and do my shit. It's my job and I want to do it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. nah, man, I can't see myself being like, no, nah, you know what? Can we like move this to next month? I'm not feeling it today. I feel like I would probably just be so grateful to be in that position that I'd probably wake up happy regardless. You know what I mean? I, maybe yeah. not every day, but I just have to imagine I'd be in such a good place that once you hit, once you get into the groove of just doing it all the time. Like, why would I not want to do it? You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. I love doing it, you know? <laughs> so so I, I don't know what it would be like. I just imagine it would be hard for me to be, a, a, unless it was just some tragic shit going on in my life, fucking with my mentality. I can't imagine any other reason I would wake up and be like, I don't really feel like podcasting today. Like, no, bro. I need, like, send me more guests. I want to talk to more people, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, that's what you want to be doing at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. 100%. Yeah, it's like it gives me energy. It makes me feel better. Every time, like, every time we finish talking or I finish interviewing somebody else, it's like fucking euphoria, dog, from start to finish and then after. It's like lasting euphoria. Like, God damn, that was fun, bro. Yeah. That was a good conversation. Like, I really genuinely enjoyed that shit, and I can't wait to do it again. That's how I feel after every single one of these podcasts every time wow that's awesome man and yeah. that's something that you feel like because i feel like podcast has been around 
it, it is fairly new, right? That format of like yeah. sitting down and recording a conversation. Because I feel like yeah. maybe it's what radio used to be back in the day. But even then, we didn't have this format of like, it was more like an interview back then, right? Like this format. Yeah, like exactly. Podcasting exactly. Is, is a fairly new thing. When yeah. was it for you that you found out about this passion? Like, did you remember um, when when it hit you? You were like, man, I love question. this shit. I think, um, hang on, plug in my charger. I think that, uh, well, when I felt when I fell in love with podcasts was probably like, I don't even remember when I discovered Joe. It was 2000, I don't know, man, 17 or something like that. I, I really don't remember, but I think I was either in college or I had recently dropped out. So it was like five or six years ago and, um, maybe more, but. That's when I fell in love with podcasts in general, but podcasting, I mean, really from the first few episodes, I was like, man, this is fucking dope. <laughs> like, because, you know, I mean, I just got a lot of shit to say. I think, I think a lot, there's constantly shit flying around in here. So if I can just cut on the mic and just let it all out yeah. and, and then it's like, but people are like listening to this shit. Damn, that's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? And then like people like, interact with you and send in emails or dms telling you what they thought or like how you affected them i mean that's just kind of cool you don't do it for that but it's super cool and so all of that together and then you get better at communicating you understand yourself a little bit more you understand how to formulate your thoughts a little bit better i mean there's just like a lot of benefits to podcasting so i think very early on i fell in love with it and then once i figured out you can make money with it i was like what let me try this shit but and of course it didn't go as planned and it's not the easiest thing in the world to get paid doing it. But just the fact that it's possible is enough for me. But what I think a lot of people like podcasting has been around for at least a decade. I'm pretty sure at least since like 2011, 2010, I'm pretty sure. And oh, yeah. um, it only recently exploded. Um, I don't know why I can't say why, but I would say because in the last, the I feel like. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I just don't know when. I don't know because he's been podcasting for a long time. Yeah. But I don't know when the moment was that it just poof, exploded for real. Maybe it was the pandemic. I really don't know what that actual moment was. Maybe there was no one moment. I don't know. Yeah. But it just feels like the last four or five years, fucking everybody wants to have a podcast. And we all want to be like Joe on some level. He's one of the pioneers of the craft. So we all like look at him and we base our idea of what a podcast should be kind of off of that especially if you're going to do an interview show, but even solo podcasters, I think. And um, what I would say is a lot of people start podcasts and I hear some interesting statistics about them. Like there's, I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm going to fuck this up, but there's like, let's say 2 million podcasts available on Apple podcasts right now. And like over 50% of those don't have more than 10 episodes. Even more don't have more than five. Even more, like they only did one and then they quit because a lot of people, just like in many, any artistic mediums or creative work, they're only doing it for the money. And they think they see Joe with the hundred million dollar Spotify deal and they don't understand this nigga had well over a thousand episodes before that happened. A thousand episodes, bro. Each of them, two or three hours, four hours long. How many fucking hours 
of interviewing that actually is. And not only that, but actually being good at it. Because if it was shit, nobody would listen. So it's like doing it, getting good at it, and doing it long enough to build an audience, hone your craft, and then maybe you'll make some dollars. And a lot of people, that's what I would say to any aspiring podcasters or content creators in general. It's like, bro, understand. Of course, we're doing this for the money because like we got bills. We want to like do this for a living. But thinking that the money's going to come quickly or easily is a huge mistake, bro. You shouldn't even be thinking about money in the beginning because the fact of the matter is there's only a few ways to make money as a podcaster. And I'll say this and then I'll get off of it because I could go on for hours about this. There's only a few ways to do this shit. You're going to run ads. You need a sizable audience if you're going to make legitimate money running ads. You got brand deals and sponsorships where like in the middle of the show, you might read an advertisement from a company trying to promote their product to your audience specifically. Um, Or you got like subscription-based model, which is what I'm trying. But the thing about that is, I mean, there's a million ways to do it, but mo- what you have to understand is most people are not just going to donate to your podcast just because they want to support. If they're not getting anything in return, niggas don't give a fuck, bro. Niggas do not care. If you disappear tomorrow, there's 20 other creators that will occupy their attention. That's really all they want in most cases. So to build true fans, it, takes, it just takes time. It's possible, but it just takes time. So ads, sponsorships, subscription-based where you're getting support or maybe you're offering some bonus material in exchange for the membership or your podcast only exists to direct your listeners to a business that you've built. So it's not about making money with the podcast. The podcast becomes a promotion, a relationship builder. And then you just happen to be able to tell that audience about your product or your service or whatever. I don't really know. Or maybe you're selling merchandise or some shit like that. I mean, like that's pretty much it as a content creator in general. And all of those take time. You know, you have to put in the fucking work. And I think that's one thing that's really important to understand. Even if you love it with all your heart and soul, it's going to be work. That shit, like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Nigga, bullshit, bro. Bullshit. You're going to work more than you ever imagined. Because guess what? If you don't work, you don't fucking eat. There are plenty of jobs you can do. You don't really get no work done, but you're going to get paid and you're going to eat this month. But if it's just you, you don't work, you don't eat, bro. So it's really important to keep that in mind. Absolutely. And even for people like Joe, for example, like, he's been doing it for what... I've seen episodes from like 2008. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Like when YouTube like was first around, he was he was already doing that shit. But now, if you think about when he actually started making money from that, it was after years, man. Mm -hmm. Years and years and years building that audience. But what's funny to me is listening to you speak is like. All of that passion for podcasting is coming from somebody that's naturally an introvert. And that's very (laughs) interesting to me, man, because people like us, well, personally speaking, but I would imagine for you too, there was a time when we actually avoided talking to people. Like We didn't want to talk to people. (laughs) It wasn't fun at all. So when was it for you that like talking to people became something that would actually be fun or that would give you any type of pleasure or fulfillment? That's a great question, first of all. And I'd say, I don't know when 
I don't know when the exact moment was, but what I will say, and also it's a common misconception about us as introverts. I think that there's a difference between introvert and socially anxious. I think there's a difference. And I think that we're both introverts and there was a time we were both extremely socially anxious. You know what I mean? So it was just like adding insult to fucking injury. It was just bad, bad, bad. But I've always enjoyed talking to people one-on-one. That's one thing I noticed from a very young age, especially listening more than I spoke and just like observing my environment. I don't know why I do it. I just do it. I've always noticed that people typically show you a different version of themselves when you interact with them one-on-one. Like if we're in a group setting at a party or we're in class or we go out to a restaurant with a group of friends, like a lot of people consciously or unconsciously tend to put on a different mask and show that to the people around them. They try to fit in or behave a certain way. They try to avoid deeper topics or they try to avoid being vulnerable and shit like that for self-preservation, I guess, to protect the ego. I don't, I don't really know, but I always found like those same people, if I would get them one-on-one, it was just me and that person, it would be a completely different experience. And like people would tell me the most personal shit, like the most like intimate parts of their lives and what they think and what they feel and what they've been through. I'm like, why are you telling me this? I don't even know you like that. Like, what the fuck? And it was years later that I realized, oh, it's just because like, I'm probably one of the first people that actually listen to what they were saying. And without even trying, I'm just showing them, like, I genuinely want to know what you have to say. Like people don't understand it's that simple. People will tell you all kinds of shit if you just shut the fuck up and listen. You know, and so I've always enjoyed talking to people one on one because then I feel like there's no reason to perform for this group of people. And I don't know if this is true, but I get the sense that I give off the vibe. You don't have to perform for me, bro. You can just be yourself because that's what I'm gonna do. So we don't need to play this fucking game and pretend like we're somebody we're not. So just be yourself. Just talk to me, nigga. Like, keep it, you know what I'm saying? Just keep it simple. (laughs) And so when we can arrive at that point, I love talking to people, you know? And I, so it's just like more in group settings and shit like that, that I really struggle. And so once I realized that, and then I saw what Joe was doing, I'm like, oh, bro, that's it right there. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's like, some people want to make it to the NBA. I just want to fucking make a dope podcast and like be a great interviewer and get, get like to talk to the most interesting people. And not only that, but it's really what the listeners get out of it too. Cause like all those years listening to Joe, all the shit that I learned, all the inspiration and the lessons and the company that the show kept me on the train or the bus at the gym. And so like thinking of all the people that can learn through my conversations with these fascinating people, it's also really cool to think about because I don't know what your experience is, but a lot of people don't have anything positive or beneficial in their ear on a daily basis. It's nothing but negativity or stupid shit or empty social media content. They don't really have any sources of like useful or inspirational or positive information. And so I think we need more platforms like that. We need more podcasters and YouTubers and TikTokers or whatever sharing positive shit or beneficial shit or trying to educate people and not just narcissistically trying to get all the attention for themselves in exchange for fucking nothing, you know? So getting back to your question of getting off track all night, getting back to your question, I would say... I realized from a young age, I love talking to people one-on-one. And then I saw somebody like Joe doing it for a living. I was like, oh, nigga, I got to try that, you know? 
So yeah. that was probably five or six years ago. And only recently I realized I had these self-limiting beliefs. Like I, I can't do that. I need to wait until this moment, until I have this, until I know them. It's like, nigga, they have a profile online. Send them a fucking message. The worst thing they could do is not respond. So now I, you know, I realize there's nothing really stopping me from doing it except me. Yeah. Wow, man. It's so interesting. It, it, it's funny how you're, you're kind of like a, like a rare case of somebody that's like an introvert, but at the same time, very good at communicating. And that's something I try to um, build for me as well, because what I noticed is that the reason that a lot of people that are extroverts are good at communicating just because they do it a lot. They're constantly <laughs> talking to people. Yeah. A lot of them just don't shut their fuck up. They're like, they're always <laughs> talking and talking and talking, but they're, they're exercising that muscle of talking and yeah. having conversations and it makes them better every day. And then for people like us that are introverts, because we do it a lot less, or even sometimes we avoid doing it, we kind of become socially inept a lot of times. And that's something that for a very long time in my life, I felt like, man, I'm just not, you know, I just can't talk to people and have good conversations and communicate. And for the past few years, man, the difference that it made in my life, just simply trying every day to get better at that expressing myself and communicating like it's such an impact that it has in your life it's, it's just crazy to think about yeah. and we've talked about this before like the importance of like communicating and how communication is like a power in your hands and you can do a lot with that it's just awesome to see that somebody like you could take that and turn into something that is like a pleasure for you to to make a conversation and not only that but also take that and deliver content to people like you said valuable content like ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, there's podcasts that are like, let me think of an example. Like, uh, I don't know, like, let's say five ways to deal with anger. I don't know. Mm. Like, it's such a valuable thing to deliver to people, you know, and in a, in a way that a lot of people are going through waves on the internet of, like, the focus is on me, you know, see what I'm doing or what I'm, you know, 
it's always narcissistic in a way. So to have that mentality of like, and also the amount of things that you learn as well, because you've done like what, 200 episodes, like since the beginning, what's the amount of you? Do you have? Uh, that's, damn, that's a good question on this podcast. Probably. Yeah. Like 200, 220 or something like that. And on the other one, I'm up to like 60 or something. So yeah. Like, imagine the amount of things that you've learned since then, like, picking up a subject and then, not that you study the subject, but you kind of have to have something to say, right? So you prepare something to say, you you go, you go after information. So that that makes you learn a lot, I would imagine. Like, all those 200 episodes definitely gave you some good, um, how can I say, uh, Yeah, some good alternatives to like conversations and topics and knowledge that you have nowadays. Do you feel like you made that progress as like a communicator from the day one that you started? Man, you you've heard episode one, dog. What the (laughs) fuck was that shit? (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, I definitely feel. I mean, I still feel like I have a long way to go as a podcaster or communicator in general. I mean, so many things I can improve. But I definitely feel like I've gotten a lot better than I was in the beginning. And that's just, like we said, probably early in this conversation, it's just like practice, bro. You got to get into repetitions and experiment and fail and just be okay with like nobody listening and just not really even worrying about that. Just trying to get as good as you possibly can because the rest will take care of itself. And as far as the conversation topics, that has definitely helped. That's why even though... I enjoy and I'm much more passionate about doing like an interview show kind of like this. The solo podcast, I love for different reasons because it's like, like you said, you have to have something to say if you're going to turn on the mic and expect people to listen. And by needing something to say, this is this is the interesting thing. I've been thinking about this all weekend, which is like, there's generally two types of content creators or more specifically podcasters. You have ones like Andrew Huberman, you know who that is? Talks about neuroscience and and your brain and how it works and stuff like that. I'll send you his podcast after we finish. But maybe somebody like, um, think of another example. Well, that's, that's still a good example. He talks mainly about neuroscience, how your brain works and how to do different things to promote brain health, have more energy and stamina. He talks about the chemicals in the brain. I mean, all that is fascinating shit. But that's his thing. That's his brand. That's what he's known for. He's an actual professor. He knows his shit. And that's what he talks about. That sounds familiar. He's been on Joe before, right? Absolutely. Yeah yeah. 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 So that's his thing. And that's his like area of expertise. I've never seen him really go outside of that area of expertise and talk about like fucking bow hunting or, or some other shit. Not on his podcast. That's his shit. And there's other ones like marketing your business. I can't remember who the host is. He only talks about marketing your business. There's like a super niche podcast where this is all they talk about. And it's easier to build a really big audience, eventually sell products because everybody knows this is what I'm here for. Every episode is related to this subject. And that's just what you do. Me, I don't really have any like a decade of expertise in any particular field. I'm more of like on the generalist side where I'm just naturally curious. I'm just interested in a bunch of different shit. If you can teach me something, I'll sit there and fucking listen, bro. I don't care what it is. So that's just the way my brain works. So on the podcast, 
it was like really cool when I figured out, oh, I don't have to talk about just one thing because I was insecure about it at first. Like I have to put myself in a box and talk about this and thinking that that's the only way people are going to listen. But when I realized either one is a strength or a weakness, depending on what you're trying to achieve. And for me, I have a bunch of different interests, so I can just talk about all the shit I'm interested in on the podcast. And so I'm doing research. It's like gives me even more reason to do research about different things, read about different moments in history and stuff like that, learn more about the English language, for example, learn about different cultures and then talk about them on the podcast. It's I'm teaching myself shit. And then I can talk about it on the podcast. You know, I have to learn it first sometimes before I can talk about it. So I'm just learning about all these different things, which gives you more interesting shit to talk about with people when you're riding in a cab, when you're at a party, when you're on the street, when you meet somebody new, when you're on a podcast, you just, you have more interesting shit to say because you're consuming more interesting shit, you know? So it's definitely beneficial in that way. And you also realize like even just looking strictly at the downloads, which is not the best metric, but even if you just look at that, the number of people consistently listening or which episodes get many more downloads than the others, other people are generally interested in a lot of different shit. They might not go look for it. They might not talk about it. They might be afraid to talk about it. But if you bring it to them, they'll sit there and fucking listen, you know? Yeah. And so I just found that what I thought was a weakness in a strange way, it's kind of a strength by talking about a bunch of, especially on the podcast for like learning English, it keeps it interesting. Every episode is about something new. So you're being exposed to new words and expressions and vocabulary, but also new ideas and shit wow. that you never really thought about before. When the majority of content for English learners is five phrasal verbs and this idiom and this pronunciation. And it's like, once you get past a certain level, it's like, nigga, come on, bro. Like, I'm not listening to this shit, you know? Wow. So, Yeah. That's uh, kind of what I've learned over the years and the benefits I've gotten for sure. It's just like you, life is more interesting for you because you're forced to learn about yeah. more shit because otherwise you have nothing to talk about and you're just fucking just rambling about nonsense. And even I don't, like I listen to my podcast so I can hear, am I getting better? What can I improve? Is this episode even interesting? Why am I talking about that? Like you get better as a communicator by listening to yourself try to communicate that's another great thing about having a podcast wow man that's been it's been a long a long run it's been like probably three years since you started for 200 episodes four yeah since 20 like the end of 2018 basically 2019 i started yeah man that's crazy to think about especially when you talk about like ideas because i was um i was watching this guy on youtube called uh leandro twin and he does videos on like fitness and bodybuilding mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And this guy, he's been listening videos like every single day, sometimes even like two videos a day, like actually good quality content. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing that for years now, like four years, five years. And then somebody asked him like, how do you have so many ideas? Like how, how can you come up with so many subjects and things to talk about and, and release so many videos? And he was like, I got probably right right now five years worth of ideas worth worth <laughs> of content. Just with, just with the ideas that I have, and yeah. when I'm getting close to that, I'll uh, have more yeah. ideas by then. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, man, that's that's fucking possible. I'm like, ten years making videos and you still have ideas oh, for like five more years. Do you feel like for you to have that? 
that much of a creative mind. Like, do struggle oh, with that, like, bro, subjects bro. to talk about and things like I that. wish you could see my fucking notion temp, my motion board right now. Dude, that's why I laugh when you said it, because that's exactly how I feel. It's like, bro, you don't understand <laughs> how many fucking ideas come to me on a day. It's like, literally, I wish there were four of me just so I had enough time to realize all the ideas. It's actually annoying after a certain point because it's like you're trying to focus on one. You need to get it done, but you constantly have all these other ideas. Like, oh, that would be dope. And you start on that one. Oh, that would be dope. You just have ideas give you more ideas. And the more you work on it, the more ideas you have. So it's like, I will never run out of ideas for podcast episodes. It just won't happen, bro. Because also as you live your life, you get random things happen and you have more stories to tell. You observe different things, people giving you new ideas and conversations. So it's just like by living your life, you get more ideas for content. And I don't really like that word, but you get more ideas for creative work, whether you're a painter, a, a musician, a podcaster, whatever it is. So it's like it never, you know, unless maybe maybe if you just don't like it. You know, or you're not the creative person you thought you were. Maybe you'll run out of ideas. I don't. I don't know. Speaking for myself, I totally identify with what he said because it's it's actually annoying how many ideas I have because I know I don't have time to realize all of them the way I would like. Which is why this is really the only reason I started my podcast subscription was just like I need more money so I can pay people to do the shit that's repetitive or that I don't enjoy. So I can just focus on what I do, you know? So I'm kind of like in that process of trying to figure out how to structure it financially to where I can have more money to dedicate to building the quote unquote business side of it so that I have more time to dedicate to the fucking production. Cause that's oh, all I yeah. care about, you know, but as a content creator, again, without having a specific niche where you are, solving somebody's really painful problem or you have a very specific product to sell it's very difficult to get to a situation where people are just supporting you just because they love your shit and then you can do that full time and not worry about anything else it just takes time and you have to give a lot more value than you've initially imagined you know and get that real core of like real supporters everybody else kind of likes you and and even Further than that, people kind of know about you, but to get like a thousand true supporters just takes time, man. Yeah. You know? But the ideas thing, I identify with a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of production, man, it's it's uh, another thing that he also said that I that I thought mm -hmm. was very interesting is that because he was talking about like it's one thing to have a thousand ideas, it's another thing to produce them and to actually exactly. post them. And he was talking about a method that he has that he's got like, like for the next nine months, he's got a video to release every day. That's like already made. Like every he's got, day? Jesus yeah, he's like nine months ahead and he could Damn, be like dude. not even produced for nine months that he could have a video prepared for every single day. What's and his I, name? I'm sorry. What's Leandro his name? Leandro Twin. Let me type okay. that. Leandro Twin. Ah, uh, perfect Twin. Yeah, man. When we talk about like nutrition and like fitness and bodybuilding and exercise, mm -hmm. it's like the OG of YouTube. Okay. And uh, the way he does it is that he prepares like 
one day of the week, like instead of like working on it every day, he prepares like one day of the week or of the month. And instead of like preparing mm. one video, he does like 10, yeah. 12 or 15. And yeah. he gets that ready for like the whole month. And then the rest of the month or the week, he's like, like there's one day where he's like working his ass off to make everything ready. But for the rest of the, the, the week or the month, mm. he's like cool and not really doing much. And I thought that was yeah. a very, very interesting approach of like finding that balance between you know producing and releasing and then having personal time as well mm -hmm. he was mentioning that he took a trip out of brazil for like two months he was releasing videos every single day and people are like man but i saw that you got a beer on your story and the video that you just released it today <laughs> you don't know what happened yeah. like, man i got videos for like the next year almost it's incredible yeah. man incredible it's funny because you that what you said makes me think of um i recently had tiffany claiborne on the podcast she's an english teacher a content creator and she was describing her content production strategy to me and it's very similar to what you described she said it's like i do everything week by week so one week i'm preparing content the next week i'm recording the next week i'm editing the next week i'm like just relaxing thinking about ideas, making tweaks to the business, and then I repeat. So every video you see was recorded like a month ago. And I've heard that before, but they call it like batch recording or bulk recording. You do everything in groups, like you prepare 10 videos, record, then edit and everything. But I've struggled to do something like that just because, like I said earlier, if I go too long without creating the shit, it's going to take me way too long to get back into the creative groove. Oh, so yeah. for me... It's better if I'm just constantly creating shit, which is why I want to hire a couple people to do the shit that's just like somebody else. I don't need to be doing it. I just want to do the creative part because if I'm constantly creating, it just gets better and better and I just stay in that fucking flow and I never want to get out. But the minute I quote unquote take a day off, man, it's fucking murder. She wrote, it's over, bro. And I just like, because I'm just naturally lazy, bro. I like chilling. So if I get into a mode where I'm just chilling, I'm going to keep chilling. You know what I mean? And I have to like force myself back into it. Every time it's painful. The first few days, it's just like extra fucking Red Bull. You know, I get up extra early. I'm doing extra physical shit to like calm my mind down so I can focus. And then I get back into the groove. So that whole like record one week rest one week i don't know if i can do that yet i don't even know if i'll ever be able to do that i just like to get into the flow and fucking stay there so and that's another thing yeah. it's like everybody's different you got to figure out what works for you over Absolutely. time you yeah know? it's a good thing to do it constantly because it kind of keep that part of your mind active and you don't yeah. give your mind the rest to do to the creative side but i also think that it's it's kind of a different style because i feel like it's one thing to do like let's say one 20 media video and it's another thing to do like a two hour podcast like yeah like you can't do 10 <laughs> podcasts a day <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and it's also a different environment because all it does is like he he records a video and sends it out to like the editor mm. so he's got like a lot of the the a lot of the work is done by the editor and he, he's just, right. the, just the one speaking mm -hmm. but uh i thought it was interesting yeah. how like 
he's so much he's got so much time ahead you know like nine months of content and he, he was also saying that he never lets that get close to like the limit mm, he's yeah. constantly making videos to to, to get ahead mm -hmm. like man that's such a hard worker that that's got to be because if you if you imagine like one day he mentioned like one day he'll make 10 videos like man and we, we're wild. talking about videos talking about like nutrition and the way your body absorbs things and like different ways to train different body parts and things like that those are some really like complex subjects mm -hmm. he's doing like 10 different subjects and 10 different videos a day i was like man that's that's a lot so <laughs> but it yeah, was man. a good strategy you know because when i when i saw like videos every day I was like man this guy like even on weekends you know like sunday saturday and then holidays and then like fucking new years and stuff it's like man this guy mm -hmm. never rests there's actually a strategy to you know and also i think in terms of the the algorithm of the youtube he's like gold because it never stops mm, yeah but he actually manages his time where there's a few days where he wouldn't be posting but he is because he already made everything right to get right. At it. yeah yeah exactly i think that's one thing you learn pretty early on if you're trying to make a career as a content creator is like you that's i kind of said that earlier which is just because you're creative and you want to do creative work for a living doesn't mean you don't need to be disciplined like you need to treat it like a job. It just happens to be a job you actually like now. That's the that's really the only difference is, I mean, of course you get to call the shots and do it the way you want and you have total control, so to speak. But to think that you can just like do it whenever you feel like it and the money's just gonna come in, nigga, you tripping, you tripping, <laughs> bro. So you have to find a way to structure it to where it works around your natural abilities, the time you want to dedicate to it, your financial goals or whatever, whatever your metrics are, you have to like build that infrastructure for yourself because nobody else is going to do it. And if you're just like, if you have no system, no structure or way of doing it, you're just like going to be in this fucking hamster wheel, constantly running from this thing to that thing and like stressed and confused because there's no organization in your mind. There's no structure. So, of course, outside of you, it's going to be the same thing. You have to figure out what works for you and then constantly try to, like, optimize it even more, even more, even more. Yeah. And it's like a weird balancing act, especially when you haven't figured out the way that you're going to monetize. Because there's a bunch of ways to monetize, but, like, figuring out what works for you once you find your audience and the right content and how you're going to monetize then you can really like fucking hit the turbo boosters. But you got to figure all that shit out first. And without being disciplined enough to create that structure, I don't see how one could do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's absolutely, absolutely necessary, you know? Yeah, man. Especially when you talk about like the way the, like, especially if you're working on YouTube, the way that yeah. the algorithm works and the way, the amount of consistency that you need to have in order for your content to actually reach people. It's just crazy, man. It's a lot. It's a lot of work involved, and I think yeah. I feel like the 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 algorithm of YouTube is something very very unique. Because I was I was watching this video of this guy that has, I guess he's got like a thousand, 
a hundred thousand subscribers mm -hmm. and he was comparing how his channel with a hundred thousand subscribers has a lot more which reachability or a lot more relevance than one that's got three million and i was like man <laughs> that's crazy how even with a, a lower audience you can have more power on a platform just because you're like more consistent or because i don't know your thumbnails are or just the way you deliver content and i don't know if it was too like genuine of me to find out about that only now but i was like man it's crazy you know i thought mm -hmm. like to me the more followers you have automatically the more people you reach but it doesn't really work like that Know, you could have. I wish it did. Yeah, <laughs> I if you wish it like did. That, you could work hard for a certain period of time, and then after you get, let's say, a certain amount of people, you could like relax and be like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna work as hard because I already have the people." Yeah. But YouTube is always like watching on that and like paying attention to how you deliver your content and how consistent you are, how freaking you deliver. And that's a very interesting thing because I thought numbers matter the most mm, certain numbers yeah but i'll say i'll say that there's probably a common misconception about youtube or any other social media platform is like the more followers you have or subscribers the more views and money you're gonna get but that could not be for like especially to, in the past i'll say this in the past probably like 2012 2014 like on Facebook, if you had a Facebook page and it had hundreds of thousands of likes or followers, whatever they called them back then, there's going to be a higher chance. Like you have to, you had to build a gigantic audience just to get enough people, just to reach enough people. I don't know what changed or when it changed, but now it's all about the way people engage with each individual video. Followers, don't, bro, I have a million and a half followers on TikTok. Right now, I'm averaging like 2,000 views a video. 4,000 views a video. If it's really good and people really engage with it, then it just goes from like 2,000 to 100,000. So it's either like very little. And if it catches the right people and enough people engage with it, then it just poof, it skyrockets for whatever reason. I don't know how it works. I just know what I see on the platform. But like, and Mr. Beast, the biggest YouTuber on the planet, talks about this a lot in his podcast interviews, which is like, bro, a channel with two subscribers could post a video as long as it's good enough, the thumbnail's right, the title's right, and the video, the idea is good enough, the editing is good enough, the story is good enough, you could still get a million views. Subscribers don't mean shit. And that's why a channel with 100,000 can get much more engagement and reachability and views than a channel with 3 million, which kind of goes back slightly to what I was saying earlier about the difference between a generalist and somebody who's super niche. Because if you have a channel where you know every video is related to one specific subject and you're all about that subject, you're probably going to watch a lot more videos. Whereas if this channel over here has 10 million subscribers, but the videos are all over the place. So one video probably pertains to 25% of that audience. Another video, 5%. Another video, 50%. So it's like you have a lot of subscribers, but they're not all watching your videos because they're not interested in all your videos. They probably saw a few of them clicked subscribe with the greatest of intentions like oh it's good enough for me to maybe want to see later that's what subscribe means maybe i'll want to see this later as opposed to tiktok where you watch it once you never see that person again 
You see what I'm saying? So you can subscribe and it's like, th theoretically, I'd be willing for the algorithm to send me more. That's really all you're saying. doesn't mean you're going to watch more of their videos. So it's even consistency, like uploading every day is not necessary to get tons of views. It's about the idea of the video, the thumbnail, the title, the story, and how well you execute on that. That's really all that matters. It's not comments. It's not fucking likes. It's not Those are just vanity metrics for other people to see. So you as a creator feel good about yourself. Like, look at me. I got a million followers. It's like, yeah, but how many of those people actually know your name? How many of those people like actually watch every video? How many of them would give you money if you asked for it? Who gives a shit if it's a million? If only 5% of those million are actually engaged, doesn't mean shit. You have 5% of a million. That's what you have. The screen just says a million. You know what I mean? Wow, that's interesting, man. Yeah, that was that was a clear example to me when I was um I was um I can't remember if it was during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it was around 2020, something like that. I was um I got like vacation from college and, and work and I had like a bunch of free time. And what I was doing, I was posting videos on YouTube of like subtitles of these videos of like joe rogan because mm. i was I, like i like joe rogan so much that i was like man i can't believe that people in brazil did not know this guy you know yeah i gotta spread his message message a little bit so i was with subtitles of his videos it would help me a lot because i was practicing my listening and my writing and just oh you were doing them by hand yeah subtitles? actually subtitles. oh them. shit yeah, man yeah a two-hour episode? Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was like, man, that's some extreme shit. That's dedication right man. there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just doing like clips, like short clips yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not okay. like the whole podcast. Okay. It, was, it was more like uh, one of those short clips of him like talking about some motivational shit. Yeah, yeah. Or him talking about something about Brazil that I wanted to translate in them. Okay. Control Brazilian people. It was like 10 minute minute video clips. And okay. even then, man, it would take me like a whole day. I bet. Make. I yeah. bet. Yeah. Man, I didn't notice how much of work is put into subtitling until that. Yeah, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah. When I was doing the first like two minutes of the video, I was like, man, is it really going to take that long? <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, I was making those videos and there was one channel on YouTube that was already doing that at the time, but he would do it like specifically about like Brazil related topics. So let's say that Joe has a guest that's talking about something that he experienced when he came to Brazil or talking about the favelas in Brazil or a movie in Brazil. He would take that clip and then translate I was doing something similar, but he got like, I think a thousand subscribers at the time. It was not mm -hmm. a big channel, but he's got a few subscribers and I had like zero, I had like mm -hmm. literally nothing. But I posted one video of Joe talking about the word porra in, in Portuguese. <laughs> and he was yeah. talking about like, porra means come in English. Yeah. He thought that was hilarious because... Really quick, really quick. For any English speakers who don't know about Portuguese, it's C-U-M-C-O-M-E. Boja is like 
C-U-M. Come. Yeah. Okay. Please continue. Yeah. And he thought it was hilarious how some Brazilians might say, like, when something's really exciting, he, he might say, oh, poha. Yeah. And. <laughs> I think he, I saw that clip. Yeah. yeah. He thought it was hilarious. And I posted that video and then I must have gotten, like, for a thousand views, something like that. And I had like okay. zero subscribers. I'm like, man, mm -hmm. how, how can I get like a lot of, a lot of views if I don't have anybody subscribed to my channel? Like mm -hmm. how exactly is YouTube deliver or spreading that video? Because on that same channel of this guy posting a similar content, he's got like 4,000 subscribers and a lot of his videos would get like 200 views. 300 mm -hmm. like, man it's crazy and that was the first moment that i was like man this algorithm is 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 not really um you know easy to understand sometimes mm -hmm. yeah there, 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 there's a whole math going on but i thought that interesting you know even with like zero subscribers starting from zero you can still have a video that can reach a lot of people 100 percent, bro 100 percent. i mean that's why anytime I talk to somebody who's considering making content, I always just try to remind them like, bro, followers don't fucking matter, dude. It does not matter. Even views, like especially in the beginning, because if we're talking about you, I don't understand YouTube well enough to like actually speak on it. But what I, the basic idea I have is like, it takes time for YouTube to understand what your shit is even about. If you're going to create a channel, like it's not going to know from the very beginning that this is who you are, this is what you're about, and this is what people can expect when they go to your channel. So you might like make a video that's just appealing to a lot of people. And so it's recommending it to a lot of people and you're getting lots of views. But I think for YouTube to really start recommending your videos consistently to the right people, it needs data. It needs tons of videos to understand, okay, he makes videos about these subjects, for these kinds of people, these are the kind of people that usually click on his videos. This is how long they watch. Like they need that data to then start recommending more effectively your videos to the right people, you know? So I can't speak about how to go viral, how to get lots of views with no subscribers, but Mr. Beast gives that information away for fucking free. Just search his name and then put podcast after it on YouTube. He talks about this shit in detail for hours, bro. It's insane that somebody like him well, just like here, just take all my wisdom and knowledge, use it for yourself. I don't give a fuck. I love people. The Gary Vee is the same way, you know? And the point I'm trying to make, again, is that followers don't mean shit, bro. That's just for your ego. That's just to make you think people care about me and love what I do. Doesn't mean shit, bro. If your shit is good, actually good, doesn't matter how many followers you have, you know, it will get views. And, it, and even if it's good, it might take a minute for it to get views. It's not a reason to stop just because in the first... 13 videos you only got 50 views a video just keep going bro it's a marathon you know so yeah i would say that um also what i tell a lot of aspiring content creators is this is good news that you don't have to have a lot of followers and you can still get views not only that but just because you're getting views doesn't mean you have an audience right like when i was i, I would say like peak tiktok 2021 2022 it was so much easier to go viral on the platform and just give, I mean, for dumb shit, get tons of views for dumb shit, because I don't want to get too technical, but the way it works, the basic idea 
is the reason that it was so much easier to go viral on TikTok than it was on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube is just simple supply and demand. Because when a platform is new, they need supply. In other words, they need videos. Because if there's no videos on the platform, nobody's going to stay on the platform. So the very first few people that get on the platform to create videos, create the supply, TikTok rewards those people by showing it to a lot of viewers because those viewers don't have anything else to watch on the platform. If there's few videos and lots of viewers, they're going to show those few videos to more of the viewers because they need to meet the demand for content to watch. That low supply gets shown to a lot more people. Over time, people are like, oh, I can go viral on TikTok. I'm going to stop using Instagram. I'm going to stop using YouTube. I'm going to stop using Facebook. Go over to TikTok. What that does is increase the supply of creators and content. And so now that the supply is right in line with the demand, TikTok has no incentive to let everybody go as viral as before because they have many more videos to show. So I'm not just going to favor yours when there's a million other people I, I could show to my viewers. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So once the supply increases, the demand decreases, which means any individual video in TikTok's eyes is not as valuable. So they're going to be a little bit more picky with what they choose to let go viral. And I'm speaking not as an expert, but just as a practitioner and also somebody who's listened to experts kind of talk about this stuff. It's just simple supply and demand. Instagram was that way in the early days. Facebook was that way in the early days. YouTube was that way. You remember, I don't even know if you remember back when like, you could go viral for the dumbest shit on YouTube. The only thing that matters was how many people click the video. The more people you can get to click the video, the more YouTube understands, oh, this is a good video. Let me show it to more people. Now, it's not just that. You actually have to make a good video, click the video, and keep them watching. That's why watch time became so important, not just the clickbait thumbnail. Supply and demand, bro. Yeah, man. Simple supply and demand. Man, I feel like, now that you say it that way, I feel like I, I get the sensation that podcasting is not really a good <laughs> thing to do on YouTube. Because <laughs> if you're talking about like keeping somebody listening or watching for a longer period of time, yeah. man, if you got like a podcast of like two hours and somebody listens to like 20 minutes, let's say like 10% of the podcast, that's a bad thing for YouTube. Yeah. And then they're not going to come back to your channel. Have you ever thought about that? Like, man, YouTube is like out of the way. Like if I want a podcast, maybe like short clips make more sense because we'll keep people um, watching for more time or watch the whole video. Mm-hmm. But like, man, even myself, like a lot of, there's a lot of podcasts that I watched that out of like two hours, I watched maybe 40 minutes, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of times that I don't really watch the whole thing. Is that like a negative thing for, for podcasters on YouTube? I think so. Yeah. Because again, it's about how long you can keep the person watching a particular video that really is a big factor in determining how many more people that video gets recommended to. So, but it really, I would say it like this, just my perspective, it depends on what your goal is. Because if you're playing the long-term game, talking 10, 15, 20 years, assuming YouTube will be around that long, then it's not a bad thing. Because at the end of the day, even if it's 50 views per episode on YouTube, 
Like you never know who exactly is in that group of 50 people. It could be the right one that just happens to have a lot of influence in some other social circle. Look what I found on YouTube. And then they share it with all their influential friends who share it with all their fucking followers or business partners or whatever. And just because they're not watching on YouTube doesn't mean they're not listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Like podcasts, generally speaking, most people shouldn't be doing a video podcast because there's nothing to watch. Like you're just staring at two people's face. <laughs> I actually like watching video podcasts because I like seeing the people having yeah, a conversation. But if you don't have the time, you're just going to listen. While you're at the gym, when you're taking a walk or whatever, washing the dishes or whatever, you can't watch. And so it's best for most podcasters to focus on the audio. But YouTube is still a search engine. It still has recommendation algorithms. So even if it's only getting 50 views video right now, literally six years from now, half of those episodes could reach two, three, four thousand, ten thousand views. Like Bill Burr, the comedian, you know who he is, right? Yeah, yeah. His podcast, especially when it's just him, it's audio only. And he puts that audio file on his YouTube channel. A lot of the episodes get 30, 50, 60, 100,000 views. And it's just audio with the fucking picture there. Because somebody probably opened YouTube and just has it playing while they do other shit. Or Or they have YouTube music, which now includes all the podcasts on YouTube. And they're just listening that way. So I think... Once you get a gigantic audience, Luke's English podcast, another great example. I think for years, he was only posting the audio file on YouTube. And some of those episodes are thousands and thousands of episodes. Even when he does a solo podcast, now he does video versions. And because of the nature of the content, somebody who's learning English, especially if he's telling like a story for an hour long, they're going to sit and listen to the whole fucking story or at least a big part of it. So if they listen to 60% of the hour or 80%, YouTube's going to recommend it a lot more to the right people. So if you're thinking short term, maybe it's not a good thing because you might not pop off like you want to. But long term, I get recommended videos that were made eight years ago all the time. Yeah. And I'm watching them for the first time. So if you're thinking long term, it doesn't fucking matter. Put it everywhere you can. Yeah. YouTube, SoundCloud, TikTok allows 10 minute videos now. Take a fucking 10 minute clip. Put that shit on TikTok anywhere you can. Anywhere you can, because you never know where the right people are spending their time. So you need to increase the chance that you get discovered by the right people, which is why I post audio versions of the podcast on my shit as well. Some people discover me there because they're not on TikTok. They hate TikTok. Yeah. So I think it just depends on your strategy, honestly. But as far as becoming a YouTube star or some shit like that for podcasters, unless you're like a comedian, because comedians are just, they're fucking funny comedians are funny (laughs) they're just funny to watch man it's like i think they have they make great video podcasts or even like joe makes a great video podcast but like you know most people they'll probably like invest in the video studio and try to replicate that when they have like six listeners like what the fuck are you doing bro wait till you make some money first you can always do video later just post the audio file dog like most people are only going to be listening anyway Like on Joe's channel, he probably has hundreds of thousands of downloads or uh, views on a YouTube video. It's probably that times 10 of people just listening to the audio on Spotify. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. It's an audio-based medium. Like it's basically an internet radio show. You don't watch the radio. So yeah, man, it just depends on what your goal is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing too, man. Like now that, like Joe, for example... 
I was watching a lot of his stuff on YouTube. But for some reason, after he transitioned into Spotify, I kind of lost the habit, man. I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, that yeah. you as well? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I, I hesitate to say this just because um, I would really appreciate it if they didn't remove my content from the platform. But I'm not a fan of that company. Yeah. I'm really not for many reasons. And I'm not a fan of the app. I just... And I don't know if that's the only reason, but it's true that ever since he did switch, I've I've listened a lot less. I don't know why. I really yeah. couldn't tell you, but I don't listen as much as I used to, for sure. Yeah, it was just a lot more fun YouTube. Just and I weird. feel like yeah. even on Spotify, he's got video format as well. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Nothing changed if you think about it. But it's I true. don't know, man. It's just different. <laughs> I don't know. They actually, they actually, if I, if I remember correctly, he told the story on the podcast, they started giving podcasters the option to put the video file on the platform because of him. Like that, cause he started on YouTube, right? And so when he was making the transition, Spotify, he said that he and Spotify were having like this conversation and they were like, dude, we can't give you the video capability because then we'd have to give it to all creators and joe was like yes you can just give it to me oh wow like it's your fucking platform do what you want so they gave it to it him wasn't first possible before him the, the i mean i guess it's possible but like not, they didn't give the option the technology oh, wow. was there but i'm pretty sure i don't remember any other podcast that had the yeah. video capability before joe switched wow that's so interesting because he i mean he was the one that made that shit popular before that most podcasters just audio or there was just other podcasters on youtube not on spotify spotify was just music yeah you know and then, then spotify realized the value of podcasting and that's when they offered those hundred m's yeah to mr rogan you know what i'm saying yeah. So, yeah, i mean the, the, his situation is one of those that makes me reflect on like money versus like value that you deliver to people mm -hmm. right because i'm sure that yeah. he's got a lot more money now it was like a billionaire contract but he's got a lot less people watching him you know and to me in his situation i don't think that would be a fair trade you know because i'm sure that he didn't he was it's not like he was starving it's not like he needed a lot of money he was already making a lot of success on YouTube, and I would mm -hmm. imagine he was making tons of money with ads on YouTube. I mean, there was episodes that got like 7 million viewers on YouTube. Jesus so I Christ. would imagine he was already <laughs> making a lot of money on YouTube. <laughs> so to me, you, you, it just wouldn't be a fair trade to have like, yeah, I got this billionaire contract, but I got a lot less people watching to my stuff, and I got a lot less reachability, mm -hmm. you know. Because I'm pretty sure, man, it's not just, it wasn't just me and you that just stopped watching <laughs> his content a little bit after the transition. It was a lot of people. Yeah. YouTube is just easier, man. It's just a lot. I don't know. I mean, like you have it's to a better experience app too. on your phone. And I, I don't use yeah. Spotify outside of like mm. listening to his content. So it's like okay. you have to download a separate app and it's just like, me, for example, I watch a lot of his content on like TV and like actually wanting to watch the oh, the episode. Yeah. So Spotify mm -hmm. is, is is a different version of that. So I don't know, man. I'm sure he lost a lot of viewers on that transition. 
I mean, I guess only he knows. Obviously, we don't know. But I would also imagine he gained a lot, too. Because he, let's say that some people just refuse to use Spotify. I got to imagine a lot of people made the transition. And um, just the fact, I mean, just because of his brand and how good the podcast is, during that whole time, and even now, I'm sure he's gaining new listeners every day. Every fucking day, you know, and he still posts clips of the podcast on his YouTube channel and he goes on other people's podcast. And we have to remember that um, he is not just a podcaster. He's also a stand up comedian. He also has a business. He was also on Fear Factor for many years. I mean, like I, I have to imagine, I don't know, and I don't mean to gossip or nothing like that, but I just have to imagine that the podcast, like he was making Danny's a UFC fight commentator. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was doing fine financially before he started podcasting. And then during that whole time, and then he's probably started making more money once the podcast started gaining traction. And at the end of the day, like, are you going to spend $100 million in one lifetime? I wouldn't, you know? So, I mean, I'm going to lose some listeners, but the ones who really want to listen, they could download Spotify. Shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. If I got... All of that, if I had, if I was in his position and you're going to break me off a hundred million dollars, we're talking about my kids, kids won't need to work if they don't want to. I wouldn't give them that fucking money, but I'm just saying, theoretically, theoretically, that's more money than you need for three lifetimes if we're being real with each other. So, I mean, and obviously he did whatever he felt was best for him, but I just, when I put myself in that situation, I'm like... I don't know. I might take the hundred M's, bro, because it's like it's still my podcast. I'm still gonna have my core group of listeners, yeah. and I can turn all of that into other businesses, even if money were a problem, which it certainly isn't. After they give me that hundred million dollar check, they probably didn't give it all at once. They probably give it in like installments. But still, bro, I'm. I don't. I. I doubt Mr. Rogan is worried about financial issues after the switch to spotify we don't know Not this is all. only up yeah. you know we're gossiping here but i have to imagine yeah he's doing fine yeah, absolutely <laughs> i mean you always have those followers that are loyal to the point yeah. where like no matter what the platform you're on they're gonna listen to you like 100%. it doesn't matter 100 but uh even like when you talk about visibility in terms of like yeah all he sure. does like um being a comedian and fight commentator and acting, things like that. I'm sure YouTube will give him a lot more visibility. Man. I'm pretty sure a lot more viewers. Yeah. YouTube, I mean, you, you, you already mm. have the, I don't think Spotify has an algorithm of like delivering content, right? Like YouTube does. That's the one thing I fucking hate about that platform too. Is like, why, why haven't they found a way to, like create a recommendation algorithm, not just for music, but podcasts, a way that's similar to YouTube. Because when they, they added the video capability for podcasters, but it seems like they haven't really made any attempt to improve the interface with Spotify or the, the, the recommendation algorithm that YouTube has. So I don't, I don't know why they haven't done that. Yeah. I um, feel like it's, um, they gotta be making a transition as well because it's always been something made for music. Right. And now they're having more stuff coming in. But it's in terms of like algorithm making that effort to deliver content to other people, mm -hmm. I feel like YouTube is a lot more powerful. At least now. Absolutely. 
I got to feel like they're the king, honestly. Because, I mean, the TikTok algorithm was talked about a lot when it was at its peak and everybody was going viral for fucking nothing. The TikTok algorithm is so much stronger and blah, blah. And I guess depending on how you look at it, it is. But one thing that I noticed about all other social media platforms is that um, there's really nothing social about it. There's really no community being built on a TikTok page. You know, I mean, maybe if you're super specific and you're constantly creating videos that the majority of your audience watches, which is probably not the case because most people are on the For You page, not the following page. And I just felt like, bro, I might have told you this story before. I might have said this on the podcast before, but I remember I um was like getting a lot of visibility on TikTok, bro. Like a like a, a ridiculous, I couldn't believe how much. I'm talking hundreds of thousands, every video, millions, quite often. There was a point when I was getting more than 10 million views a month on TikTok. A month, bro. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? You know what I'm saying? I couldn't believe it. Bro, if and that so, was on YouTube, you were like, bruh. Bruh, we be, man, we be having this conversation in person because I would have bought a house in Sao Paulo. <laughs> man, yeah, life would be quite different. But the reason I'm saying that is because even with all that visibility, it didn't mean that I was building an actual audience. I was just getting views. And because I remember that uh, this one guy applied for private lessons with me one day. And he said, man, I've been following you for five months. I watch all your videos. I love your stuff, blah, blah. We talked for 20 minutes. And at the end of the conversation, he was like, oh, by the way, what's your name? Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, nigga, what? What's my name? <laughs> and so the reason I tell that story, one, is fucking ridiculous. But two, is the point It's like just because you're getting views or you have followers doesn't mean that you're building actual community. Doesn't mean you have like real supporters. And I think you can build that on TikTok. But I think it's much easier on YouTube. I really do. When you have an actual channel that people like it's constantly even on the home page and the recommended tab, it's constantly recommending your shit to follow to subscribers and non-subscribers. And the more they watch your videos, the more your videos get recommended to them. And I don't know, just the the entire experience on YouTube is designed much better for longevity. The, like people on TikTok, you're like famous for 15 minutes. Like you pop off and go super viral and then, I mean, like a few stick around and they're constantly going viral. But most people, you have like your little 15 minutes of fame and then niggas kind of forget about you, especially if you're not innovating and doing new and creative shit. But on YouTube, you could do just a podcast for 10 years and niggas will listen to your podcast for 10 years. You can't really say that on TikTok. Obviously, it's not 10 years old, but same shit with Instagram, same shit with Facebook. YouTube has been that one platform where it's just like consistently every day of the week, people are blowing up and they fucking stay there as long as they're doing the right things. But it just, it recommends videos from 12 years ago on a regular basis. No other platform does that. It's fucking, it pops and then it's dead, never to be seen again. YouTube is just different in that respect. Is there a way to monetize though on, on TikTok? I mean, I guess if you do a bunch of lives and people send in those virtual gifts, like virtual roses or whatever, they convert into money. But you would have to get so many of those for like, I think when I was doing one live a week for a few months and people were sending me tons of those little virtual gifts or whatever, it converted to like eight cents. 
So you would have to do so many fucking lives and get so many viewers. I mean, maybe there's other ways now that I don't know about. But for me, when I think about Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, etc., you don't monetize with views or followers. You monetize by building a quality audience and then having something else to sell them over here. You're just taking the attention and diverting it to what you want to sell them. These are fucking brand builders and marketing tools it's not really a place where you're like i'm getting paid just to produce the video so unless you do like a brand deal or something it doesn't count as like bro oh wow nigga, i i told you there was a time i was getting 10 million views a month i didn't see a fucking dime not a nothing not a single dollar bill for any one of those views it was only what i was able to take that attention and convert it into that got me paid but the video itself no, bro. Not a yeah, fucking dollar. That's why people are not even asking for likes on that platform like you see on YouTube because it's not going to turn into anything. It doesn't mean shit, bro. It means nothing. All that matters is how long they watched the video. And if when they get shown another one, do they watch that one too? It's just how often can you keep them watching your videos? Nothing else <laughs> and matters, those, those gifts you mentioned, it's kind of like a, like a super chat on YouTube where people... Exactly, but... but they're not like a super chat. You actually have to pay money and you send it to the creator. These virtual gifts, it's it's literally you just press a button. And it's like a digital rose that pops up on the screen. And that's it. It's just like a virtual way of somebody saying, I'm enjoying what I'm watching. Oh, okay, and but then that I, converts I don't pay for that money. as like. No, no, bro. Fuck no. And that's the only way to monetize? That I know of. Man, that I know that's of. insane, bro. Yeah, bro. Man, it, it's 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 so insane. Okay, but if there's no, but there's ads going on, right, on the app. Yeah, but you're not getting that fucking money. There's TikTok no is getting on. that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah <but laughs> I mean, like, like, there's it. not an ad on your TikTok video, but in between, like, as you're scrolling, you will see videos that are ads. The same way, like, you see Facebook ads. There's TikTok ads, oh, but it's not like in the middle of my TikTok video an ad is going to play like on YouTube. No. Man, it's even more insane because it's like the platform is getting bunch of bunch of money and not really uh, passing any any amount to the, the content creators. So pretty much because I see a lot of people that go viral and they release a lot of videos. And it seems like a lot of hard work because it's not, it doesn't <laughs> seem like you know, easy videos to make. So those people are pretty much like all that effort. Their primary intention is just to take that audience and deliver that to another platform because on TikTok itself, they're not getting any monetization out of that. If they're smart, I would say, yes, that is... I mean, but it, it really depends on your goals, too, because everybody's different, man. Everybody wants different things from the game, so I can only speak from my perspective. And I'll say, if you're smart, yes, I don't see any reason to fucking dedicate your life to making TikTok videos and Instagram posts and shit, thinking only that is going to get you paid. You have to have some business sense and marketing sense and figure out, okay, how am I going to take the attention? Because it's really all about attention, bro. That's all that matters is because if you don't have somebody's attention, you can't sell them anything. So how am I going to take the attention I'm getting on this platform and turn it into dollars? 
And before you can think about turning it into dollars, you have to provide actual value to the person that's giving you their attention. So yes, you have to put in the work on social media before anybody gives a shit about whatever it is you're selling. That is true. But to think I'm going to make a YouTube channel and get paid and that's going to be the same thing on TikTok or Instagram. No, bro. The only platforms that I know of that pay their creators are YouTube and now Twitter, which is called X. It's not even called Twitter anymore. But if you pay like seven or eight dollars a month for Twitter Blue, I keep saying Twitter. I'll probably always say Twitter. X is weird. Yeah, but Twitter Blue or whatever. X nowadays. What? what yeah, he rebranded the whole platform. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah, he's gonna. He's making lots of changes, man. It's actually kind of cool to wow. see. But it's but still like the same owner, their... like the same company. Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's just mm-hmm. rebranding stuff. Yeah, because if I understand, I read some reports and tweets that he wants to make it like an all-in-one app where you can create content, you can monetize that content, you can send money to people on the platform. He wants to do a bunch of different shit, not wow. just tweeting, if I understand correctly. Oh, yeah, there's so even like a form of like those Instagram on there right now, right? Yeah, and even TikTok. You can post a short-form video, and then once you click the video, if you swipe up, it'll just be endless videos. Wow. Yeah. So if you pay for their monthly subscription, I think it's like like 10 bucks a month or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. You get a piece of all the advertisements that show up in the reply section of each individual tweet that you have. That's the basic idea. And so there are some people who are making thousands of dollars fucking tweeting, bro. Fucking tweeting. Man, that's crazy. Yes, bro. Like he's, he's... What the fuck? Just tweeting. So are you saying that like people are... Like he monetized tweets. Yeah, well, yeah, because Twitter has always had ads in between tweets on the Twitter feed. But now, like for example, if I if I do a tweet, and then somebody replies to that tweet, if when you click on it, you can see all the replies in that long list of replies to your tweet. The ads that are shown in that section, you get a piece of if you're paying the monthly Twitter subscription. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. so Twitter and YouTube are the only platforms that pay like that. And the uh, the subscription that you pay is mm-hmm. that like a fixed amount, or it depends on like the amount of uh, um, I don't know if you can say subscribers on Twitter or followers, right? Follower, no, it's a fixed amount. It's fixed amount. amount. Wow, mm-hmm. it's crazy, man. Yeah, fucking tweeting, you can get paid. Yeah, and but Instagram, you ain't getting paid for shit. TikTok. You ain't getting paid for shit. Man, Facebook. Be a great competitor for Instagram. Mm-hmm. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, man. So it's interesting to watch how they compete with each other because at the end of the day, they can all do what the others do. They're all copying each other's features and shit like that. Yeah. I guess the only one that's truly unique, in my opinion, still is YouTube. But if a few poor business decisions and even YouTube could fall. Because with all the censorship issues and people, them demonetizing people's videos and shit like that, obviously it's really hard to recreate what YouTube has created. Very, 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 very difficult. So, I mean, they don't have much competition in that respect of another identical YouTube. But if, if the offer is interesting enough, I, I can imagine plenty of people leaving YouTube and going to another platform where they can actually make money creating what they create easily. Niggas got bills, bro. So if you can't get paid doing it after a while, you probably just gonna quit. Man, that's crazy. I had no idea. And it, it's crazy how like you when you talked about um TikTok. I've seen a lot of I don't I don't use it, but my 
Good for you. My man. girlfriend is constantly like showing me videos of like yeah. things that he that that she watches on there. And I've seen a lot of videos of like these couples that they make these videos of like like they go to a restaurant, for example, and they're kinda like advertising that restaurant, like promoting mm-hmm. them. Like, hey, yeah. let's see. Um look at the the type of food that I had over here. Uh look how great it is and they make a whole bunch of like good comments about that restaurant kind of like reporting their experience on that restaurant right i feel like that maybe is a way to monetize but like outside of tiktok like they're using the video to promote a certain business or restaurant or anything like that but they're getting paid outside of tiktok because tiktok in itself is not going to pay you shit right yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about is you're taking all that attention directing it to some other place in this particular case you're just getting paid to direct it to a different business not yours your business is promoting other businesses that's that's just what an influencer is they're getting paid because they know how to generate a massive audience and keep people's attention businesses they look at that as an amazing deal because it's cheap it's business like business wise it makes more sense like if i have the choice between running facebook ads and hoping that Facebook, I mean, Facebook seems to be good at targeting, but hoping that they reach the right customers at the right time with the right ad. Between that and an influencer who has like a ridiculously loyal following, even if it's less people than I can reach on Facebook, it's a quality following. If Joe Rogan says, buy this supplement, it's going to be much better than the company running a Facebook ad buying this supplement. So it's a better use of money because you're going to get better conversion rates you see what i'm saying yeah. because more people are going to listen to joe because they trust joe they know joe they like joe i don't fucking know you you're just a random ad trying to sell me some shit but for some reason if it's an influencer that you know and like you're much more willing to buy it so that's i mean that's what influencers do but they're not getting paid for the views they're getting paid to advertise on their specific platform you see what i'm saying it's not tiktok paying them for the views so yeah man it's it's a huge misconception about content creators in general and what's kind of sad when you think about it is anytime i meet somebody and they they find out i make content almost every time the first thing they ask are you getting paid you know do you make money with your tiktok videos do you make money on instagram it's like why why is that the only thing you're thinking about first of all why is that second of all what does mean like it's none of your fucking business second of all (laughs) but it's just like what I'm the reason I'm saying that is a lot of people don't understand the economics of being a content creator and how much money or not money, how much time and effort you have to put in and talent before you can even have the possibility of getting paid just to make content. It is a legit job, no matter what anybody says, bro. It is a legit profession. And it's not just like I set up my camera, make some stupid shit, and now I make hundreds of thousands of dollars. You have to provide like real value. To people, real people, you know, it's not just like getting views that matters because most of your views, you're just raising awareness about what you do. You're not building a connection with real humans on the other side of the screen. That's most of your viewers. It takes a while to build that real core audience, you know? Yeah, a lot of people think it's just easy money, right? Like just uploading videos and making money. I wish, nigga. It's not really that easy. (laughs) But I feel like it's still, would you say that it's still like the social media of the moment? I would say, like, me personally, I would say it seems to be, like, the most addictive one. 
TikTok? Yeah. Like, even my girl is that she's always like, oh, when I, when I don't have anything to do, when I'm bored, I'm always on TikTok. But, like, man, I can't take a shit if I'm not on TikTok. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know what's that? Is that a addictive yeah. thing that you're always on? Yeah. It seems to me that it's like nowadays the one that's made like just keeping people on there all the hundred percent, man. Yeah, I would agree, one hundred percent. It's like it's kind of like um, not it's not scary. It's kind of a. Uh, depressing how addictive it actually is and how much time people actually spend on it would be different if we were all consuming content that like made our lives better educated us and shit like that most of us are watching fucking nonsense bro it literally is just a way to pass the time and avoid the feelings of boredom and emptiness that most of us feel because we don't have shit going on in our lives so it's an easy 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 distraction endless scrolling i don't even have to follow anybody and they'll just show me videos for the rest of the day i don't have to think about it you know so it you know but i don't i don't look at it like oh it's destroying humanity i just think damn it's sad that humanity is at a place where humanity feels that this is the best way to spend time you know what i mean that's what kind of makes me sad is that there's literally nothing better to do like what the fuck man (laughs) you know not only that but like spending hours a day on that yeah man it's crazy to me it is dude (laughs) it is but i but like i said when you have nothing like you for example you have shit going on in life you have shit to do all day but i mean you gotta like put yourself in a position you literally have nothing going on you hate your job got no girl no boyfriend no friends in general no kids don't talk to your parents or your siblings you're just at home you have no hobbies. You're not creative. Like the phone is right there. And it knows what I want to see. So once you get in there, there's really no reason to get out of there. It's just like, I don't have to feel bored or alone anymore. I can just be here. It's unlimited and it's fucking free. If you had to pay for social media, the world might be a bit different, you know, but it's fucking free, bro. So it's, you can kind of understand why people are so addicted even me i literally like now i use my old cell phone for social media related shit when i'm done with it i put it the fuck down and then i have my phone for like communication which is my newer one and i really try my hardest to be disciplined to only open the app to post something or learn something or if like i'm taking a break a mental break i'll watch a couple funny videos just to like laugh a little bit and be distracted but i like dude i literally feel worse now after like five minutes max of just watching videos, I literally feel worse. And I don't even want to watch more TikToks or Instagram or whatever yeah. the fuck. I need, it's got to be something of substance. It, to me, it's not even the length of the video. Like we talk a lot about our attention spans getting shorter and we can't pay attention. Bro, if it's interesting, I don't give a fuck if it's 30 minutes. I'm going to watch it. If it's interesting, it's not the time. It's more just like, it's like, dude, I don't, I have shit to do, bro. If it's, if I'm going to dedicate any amount of time to it, it's got to be something interesting or educational, or it's going to make me laugh because I'm stressed and I need to laugh. Other than that, why am I just a bunch of random shit being injected into my brain? Then I can't focus on my work. Half the day is gone. It's like, no, bro. No. Yeah. No. Can't do it, bro. Yeah, man. I, I try to avoid it as well. Like, 
even my girl has said to me before, like, why don't you download it so that before <laughs> you can spend some time? I'm like, man, damn, son. I don't want to be consumed by that shit. Because I know yeah. that if I do get in there, like, that shit is built to get me hooked on it. Like, I'm not going to yeah. give it that chance. Yeah. But that's another thing I wonder, like, because on YouTube, you got different kinds of content and you have different routes that you can go to. You can go like the That's educational true. route, like good videos, good quality content, educational videos, or you can go like the dumb route. Like there's tons of options. Is it like that on TikTok as well? Like, do you feel like there's educational content or informational content on there as well? Because I think like like a hundred percent of the videos I've seen on there is always like dumb content, yeah. like just some dumb just wasting time constant i've never seen like something valuable coming from there um i don't know if it's like the style like short videos i don't know if it's just the, the mm. way the app recommends the videos do you feel like there's some good thing going on yeah i do definitely i think that there's a lot of uh a lot of people who it's funny because I, I look at it from a positive aspect sometimes and remember that there are a bunch of creators on Instagram, TikTok, um, even Facebook has reels now, which is like TikTok basically. But let's just say TikTok. There's a lot of people who gained a massive audience and changed their lives financially by putting out good content, educational stuff, informative stuff, and teaching people things. I think the challenge is um, putting something like I don't remember her name. Like there's a there's a woman who talks only about Microsoft Excel. She only gives tips and tricks about Microsoft Excel on fucking TikTok. So it's like the challenge is making something like that interesting and fitting it into 60 seconds or 90 seconds. I think that's the challenge is like cuz sometimes you need 7 or 8 or 10 minutes to really go in depth. So you you it's actually a skill to take 10 minutes of information and compress it into 60 seconds i think that's the challenge of putting out informative or educational content and it can be done it's done all the time it's just a different format and i think that oh, yeah. is the challenge with that uh platform but there's definitely a lot of good informational or excuse me informative and educational stuff on tiktok i think the difference is that when you get on tiktok you open to the for you page and it just hits you with the video and typically your first thought is i like it or i don't like it and you just scroll you have to be in the mindset of, I'm going to go to TikTok to search for something educational or informative. Otherwise, you may never get recommended that stuff on the For oh, You page. Yeah. Whereas on YouTube, your homepage is a bunch of recommendations and you choose one or you know, based on the platform, it's a search engine. So you go to YouTube to search for an answer. I don't think our generation so much goes to TikTok to search for those same answers. But Gen yeah. Z, for example... Are you part of Gen Z? Aren't you? You're not a millennial, are you? Nah, Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm from like 99, so yeah. I'm yeah, okay. Well, most of Gen Z, let's say. I have been reading articles and I've seen some videos that people don't even, they don't even search on Google or YouTube for answers anymore. They literally search on TikTok first for oh. a quick 60-second answer. That's not really what I do. I'll still go to ChatGPT or YouTube or Google. That's where I get my answers. Yeah. But I mean, people's behavior is changing over time. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of everything on all platforms, I think. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, man, that's that's crazy how it's becoming like more and more popular to have people like just waste their times on those platforms, man. Because for everything, like even for TikTok, like, like I said, there's there's still a way to like kind of do it right, which is what you did, for example, like you made informative videos teaching people giving valuable information but the problem is a lot of people that's not really the content that they're looking for on there they're actually looking for that type of content that's like <laughs> dumb waste of time information you know, just funny videos i don't know just things that are not really too informative and that's got to be a real challenge for like a content creator that's like actually trying to deliver something great because it's like it's like you see on youtube a lot of like math teachers for example they're like doing a great job like teaching algebra or teaching mm -hmm. something like really really difficult and they don't get like 10 percent of the attention that like a dumb video gets and that's not fair <laughs> but it's also like goes it goes back to what we were saying about like the algorithm and there's money involved ads and things like that so youtube doesn't give a shit if <laughs> you're delivering like values to people like it's all about reachability yeah well i also think that value is subjective right because when you think about social media in general even youtube like most the, i have to believe the majority of people don't want to be educated. They want to be entertained. So that's why entertainment-based content usually does better. Because, I mean, like the math teacher example or physics or neuroscience, you have to either be in a situation where you need to know this information or you're just genuinely interested in something like that to sit there and watch 100% of a 40-minute video about algebraic equations or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? But it's much easier to watch something that doesn't make you think very hard, probably makes you laugh, and makes you forget about the stress of your life or the boredom you're experiencing. People get on these platforms, especially TikTok, looking for entertainment, not education. If you can make your educational content entertaining, then you fucking win. But if it's just educational, it doesn't matter how good the information is. You have to package it based on the culture and the viewing habits of the people on that platform. TikTok's viewers and your mindset when you're on tiktok is very different from when you're on youtube or twitter or instagram you're just in a different mindset uh, yeah, so it's yeah. like that's it's why it's easy to understand like even if you have the fucking best teaching skills ever and the fucking high quality information if you don't understand tiktok and you don't know how to make videos for tiktok you got no fucking chance you know and you it'll always i, I don't know if it'll always be that way but i just think it's that way which is entertainment is always going to sell more than education and that's not just on social media but think about the music industry hollywood uh professional sports whatever it is those all have more viewers than anything related to reading or writing or math or science or history every day of the week because it's entertaining you don't have to think you don't have to try if it's educational, I have to fucking learn something, pay attention and yeah. struggle and be confused. I don't want that shit. After nine hours of work, 
three hours in traffic. My fucking wife is yelling at me. My kids are too goddamn loud. I can't pay rent this month. I just need some entertainment, bro. I just need to relax. Yeah, fucking yeah. Chill. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's definitely like the the mentality of people coming into the platform. And 100%. it's like I, I was watching this video, and it's funny because even I like to watch those videos. Like, have you have you um when it came to Brazil? I don't know if you heard of Cracolândia in Brazil. It sounds really from what is it a place? It sounds really familiar. Yeah, it's like a neighborhood in yeah. São Paulo. Exactly. Like, there's heard all the, the, the crackheads, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was this guy called Everson Zoyo. He made this video called um, Walking Around in Cracolândia Until I Get Robbed or Until I Find Some Trouble, something like that. It's like, bro, <laughs> it's just entertainment, you know? It's funny to watch. It's dumb. You know, yeah. I'm wasting my time, but. I'm entertained, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's just all you want, you know? After a hard day, after, I don't know, you just want to watch something dumb. So those contents also has its place as well. 100%. Uh, I just find it a little bit unfair that the impact that, like, an educational video has in somebody's lives is a lot, lot more positive than a video like this, like, walking around in Krakowlandia. You know, but this person walking around in Krakowlandia gets a lot more views, a lot more money, a lot more recognition, a lot more, I don't know, prize from the platform. That kind of gets me a little bit. Hmm. It it definitely used to get me too, but it kind of like when I was saying earlier, which is the market is never wrong, bro. It's never wrong. So when we talk about it's unfair. You could definitely argue that, but I think it's completely fair when you consider that they wouldn't be getting the recognition and the views and the money if nobody was watching that shit. So if they can keep people watching, they deserve to get paid. I mean, it just is what it is. And it's like, depending on how you look at it, it's not fair. But if you're going to try to make a career out of teaching people online, on YouTube or whatever, it's part of your responsibility to learn how to make the content so good and entertaining that you can just slide the education on in there in between because you have to keep people entertained. Otherwise, you're not going to keep their attention. So, yeah, it might be easier to make the dumb shit. But if you want the quick and easy route to fame and money, just make dumb shit. You can do that. But I, I have to believe, especially as teachers, they're probably not even motivated for those same reasons. It's not about being famous. It's not about like making the most money or reaching the most people. It's just about doing good fucking work. Yeah. You know, obviously more people and money is always better. But, you, you know, I think it's it's fair in the sense that if that's what people value, that's what people value. We don't get to decide what's valuable to other people yeah. or what the market should want. Or watch, if that's what they want to watch, then it's valuable to them. So they should get served that content and the people who make that shit should get paid. It sucks for us who don't do that shit. But yeah. I mean, life ain't fair, bro. It's the, it just is what it is. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's also very, um, uh, how can I say? Like, it varies a lot. Like, there's no way for YouTube or any platform to say, like, okay, this video is going to impact people positively more than this one. Right. It really depends on the person. Like for me, it could have been a lot better for me to just watch that video of 
walking around in Caracolândia than learning math or learning any other thing. <laughs> so it really depends on the person. And I guess the platform doesn't have that power to decide on what's more valuable, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it perfectly. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's like each individual decides what's valuable to them. And I mean, like, think, for example, think about somebody who is giving advice on everything you need to know to start a business. I mean, all the technical details, the laws and accounting and marketing and whatever, it's not easy. So you have to put in some real effort to learn that stuff and then test it. You need ideas and blah, blah. And then you have these people over here called comedians who are literally just saying stupid shit to make you laugh, telling funny stories and jokes. That literally might be enough to keep somebody from killing themselves. It literally might be enough to keep somebody company on a 16-hour drive to go see their father who's in the hospital. And the only thing to keep their spirits up was this dumbass podcast of people joking around, saying silly shit. Those might be extreme examples, but sometimes the dumbest shit or the stuff that's only meant to keep you entertained or make you laugh really gets people through the day. Oh, yeah. really gets people through a week or a month. It's the only positive thing that they have in their daily experience. So that is also valuable. Just different kind of value for a different person in a different context. So I think yeah. it's all subjective, man. It really depends. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of comments on those dumb videos of like, man, you made my day. Thanks for making my day better. Like exactly. Like my ass off. So yeah. Definitely has its place. It's just gonna depend mm. on the person on what you want to choose to watch, and even for somebody that wants to consume those contents of like more informative videos or I don't know more valuable videos. Let's say they're gonna have those days where they want the dumb videos as well, like me, for example. Like, like I me watched too. that me video too. and I laughed my ass off, like, yeah, <laughs> walking around in Krakow. That's fucking funny, man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything has its 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 place and its time for for everything. Hundred percent, right? man. Hundred percent. So yeah, man. But listen, brother, we just hit the three hour mark, man. I need some dinner. About to get something to eat. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh cut it off here. But man, I really enjoyed, as always, this fucking conversation, man. And one thing I will say, I will say, is we talked about this before on this podcast. But you really might want to consider starting your own podcast, bro. Because as much as you talk good about like my interviewing skills, my podcasting skills, like you're a fucking good interviewer too, bro. You know, you ask good questions, you listen just as much as I do. So it's like, if I can give you any more push just to fucking consider it a bit more, give it a shot. Let this be that push because I really think you'd be good at it, bro. Oh, man. I want to do that, man, for sure. And I'll say one thing. When I do it, you definitely be my first guest, man. For sure, man. Yeah, man. I'm having you on, bro. 100%. I can't wait, bro. I can't wait. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let me go ahead and uh, stop this recording. Peace, y'all. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.